0: I'm gonna break your heart
2: Hi, and welcome back to Movies for Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuiper.
3: And I am your other co-host, Michelle Egan.
2: Well, it's a new year. We're starting Ooh. out. Well, actually, for us, it's still like two days away. But, you know, hey, for you cool listening to this, it is, in fact, a new year. So that's exciting. Um, 2022, we are starting the year off with something fun. Hell yeah. Today, we're getting the band together. Twice. (laughs) So what are we going to start with, Michelle?
3: Uh, We're going to start with my pick. Um, And I just realized I don't know what year it's from.
2: 1996. (laughs) That's what it says on Letterboxd. yes. Yes.
3: 1996. That thing you do.
2: One of my favorites. And it's an actor's directorial debut which, which is,
3: goes along with one of yeah. our uh, episodes that's coming up very soon. Yeah, yeah
2: it might come up. Um, anyway, and so directorial debut of the great Tom Hanks. Hello. And uh, yeah. Okay. And then we're going to talk about uh, from what year? <laughs> 2016. <laughs> 16, yeah. Yeah, 2016. John Carney's Sing Street, which if you listen to our last episode, was... The number one choice uh, from me for discoveries of the year. Uh,
3: One of my favorites for the year, too. I just didn't put it on my list, like I said,
2: because it was on yours. But yeah, it was definitely way, way up there. Yeah. So like we said, we're going to start with that thing you do uh, and hit Sing Street second. But uh, so I saw this movie for the first time probably shortly after it came out on video. I didn't see it in the Uh. theater. But what I do remember is when this movie came out, everyone was very excited because Tom Hanks was sort of at the. I mean, he's still one of our biggest stars, but I mean, this was mm-hmm. right after three or four in a row where he was just like, oh my gosh, not only is he funny, he's a great actor. I mean, he had done uh, League of Their Own, uh, then he had done Philadelphia and won an Oscar. Then he had done Forrest Gump, which was a massive hit. That movie, that year it came out, I mean, you could yeah. not go anywhere without people quoting that. My wife, whose name is Jennifer, got just a little bit tired of it. She decided, <laughs> she, decided she would no longer be called Jenny and changed her name to... Jen, uh, after that came out. But anyway, that's beside the point.
3: That's my sister's name. She was never known as yeah. Jenny though. Never. Yeah. No. I
2: mean it's funny. I go to different I go to different uh, like family gatherings and some people there still call her Jenny. And she's just like <sighs> uh, No. No. She's been
3: she's That's like when people try to call me Shelly. Oh no. no. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. No.
2: Well, Jen was like after Forrest Gump, it was Jen. Uh, so anyway <laughs> <laughs> But Again, you know, Tom Hanks won a second Oscar for that. Then right after that, Apollo 13, another massive hit and an Oscar nomination. Uh, So the guy was sort of on fire during this time. So he went to the big wigs at wherever um, and said, I wrote this movie and I want to direct it. And I'm a huge, gigantic star. So you pretty (laughs) much got to do whatever I say. And they said, you're right. And so um, they let him make this movie.
3: That makes him sound like well. Here is the thing. Here is the thing. This was that's. I I say that because
2: that's kind of how he recounted the story on Inside the Actors Studio, and he said it as (laughs) you know, very tongue in cheek, because. You know, right? Hanks is, but I mean, it's true. Yeah, Hank's is a very, very <laughs> funny guy. I mean, he's he's oh, got a, a terrific sense of humor, and so when you see him in interviews, he doesn't do them very often anymore. But when you see him on something like the mm-hmm. Inside the Actors Studio, and you can probably go back and watch it on YouTube or somewhere, it's a terrific interview because I mean, Lipton was a terrific interviewer, but and he would just bring it out of these people of these different actors, but. He's having a ball and he's telling his story and he's his yeah. very much his relaxed sense of humor is coming out in that interview and when he he talks you know very joyfully about this film oh why yeah. wouldn't and you
3: <laughs> every I think everybody is talks for, this is such a little yeah. gem that is one of those pick me up movies that just absolutely adore every frame of this and I've watched it constantly as as I was growing up it yeah it came out in ninety six so I definitely. Kind of feels like one of those ones that you grew up with, even though I was like 10. Yeah. Um, it's had... just always been there. It's uh, uh, always been one that just brings a smile to my face. I... <laughs> and yeah, I loved Tom Hanks doing comedy is my favorite Tom oh, Hanks because yeah. he is just so goddamn funny.
2: He really is. <laughs> he really is. And
3: yeah, I... yeah. and him writing a comedy, like of co- he was perfect yeah, for this. Absolutely. And like him, like actually being in the movie too and getting to like play with the actors in the scene. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the perfect combination you know it's the perfect way to yeah, do it and it's
2: not a huge role which is for a yeah for a first-time director that is smart <laughs> you know to if you <laughs> i think they kind of insisted that he be somewhere in the movie uh because you know he was such a bankable name um so uh-huh. they say well y- you gotta appear in it somewhere and he's like okay i'll play yeah. this
3: role yeah he doesn't even show up for what like 40 45 minutes or something yep, yep. but it's such it's a great a while, role so. though it's such a great role um, which okay, I will mention up top the the we're talking about the theatrical yeah. cut of the movie here, but there is a director's cut, um, which is n- kind of one of the examples of a director's cut that doesn't really work as well, at least to me. Is the pacing slower or something? Yeah, it's it's 40 extra wow. minutes of footage, which to me that's uh, too much for this kind of movie. you know it's not it's not that movie. Yeah it's got a little bit of extra stuff like with the characters like there's more of, of guy and tina and you know some of those little um scenes that are just yeah, like insert shots during montages is actually like a little bit longer scenes with dialogue um so yeah it just it really brings down the momentum of the movie like mm-hmm. the pace of the movie is already like fun and quick and snappy like the song and that thing you do exactly you know
2: yeah this is a sort of a 60s song of a movie
3: right (laughs) and it just kind of brings it down the one thing like i was telling you that does kind of add a little bit of something to it is what it reveals about tom hanks's Uh character that he's Mm gay uh so that's kind of maybe it's kind of a bummer that that got left out because that would have been a great inclusion you know but yeah, otherwise, yeah, it's not really needed. I've I haven't watched it in a while, so I don't know exactly what all is in the director's cut. I just remember, like, like I said, a lot more stuff with Tina, um, a lot more like <laughs> developing of the relationship with her and her dentist. And okay, stuff, so, so I mean, Charlize <laughs> isn't that really anything super important? Yeah, Charlize know?
2: Theron, you know, besides now being a big star, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's right, you know, Freaking goddess. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, at the time, I mean, she was up and coming like most of these actors were frankly Mm uh some of them continued to kind of soar while others sort of faded away unfortunately but i gotta say i did watch this movie knowing having you having told me that tom hank's character was gay and i could see glimpses of it even in the final cut you know Mm -hmm. um it's not anything that's ever Made explicit, but I think the subtext is clearly still there.
3: I think so. Yeah, but like the a longer version, it's just not what this movie is. This is a very um, not. I wouldn't say it's like a basic story, but it kind of is. It's like that. Um, it's a band that gets together, sort of accidentally stumbles across a hit song Mm -hmm. and um, gets famous really fast and gets to experience all of those things that, you know, a band gets to experience when they get really famous and get to tour and then they realize that, you know, that they're not really meant to be together (laughs) at the end. And that's, that's you know, I don't think you need much more than that. What you need is already on the screen in the
2: theatrical version. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, I find it rare that director's cuts improve the film. Uh, There are a few. Uh, There's
3: one exception. One big one. Well, there are two.
2: (laughs) There are two. I mean, one we've already discussed, of course, is almost famous. Uh, I think that one is clearly the superior version. And then, of course, the other is uh, Doctor Doctor Sleep, Sleep, (laughs) which we will talk about that version of it. You know, I, I think that for the most part, theatrical cuts tend to be better paced. They tend to just not be overbloated and overblown. And director's cut sometimes just feels self indulgent. <laughs> and <laughs> sorry. This is a long rant about director's cut. And I probably don't need to. There are exceptions to this, of course. But I think for the most yeah, part totally. that is true. And I think they belong on D V D or or Blu ray. They don't belong in mm. theaters. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> for the most part.
3: Definitely not one that turns like a Really good, like hour and forty-seven minute movie into a two-hour and thirty-minute movie yeah. like this. Yeah, one. I mean, like we don't need the that. idea <laughs> of this
2: movie being that long is odd, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like I said, it is that snappy. um It's a sixties song of a movie, you know. It it runs, it runs for a short amount of time, gets to the point, does everything it needs to do in a short amount of time. Um, it's like what Lester Bangs says about you know, it takes them less than two minutes to accomplish what it takes jethro tull hours to not accomplish um anyway just had (laughs) to pull that Uh, (laughs) of course you did (laughs) hey we're talking about music movies why how can i not talk about Almost those oh i know
3: yeah anyway
2: back to that thing you do big
3: thing yeah a big thing about this movie though if when you watch it now especially is the cast yes Oh my God! There are just the main people, obviously, are awesome. But then, like, you notice all the other like mm-hmm. little parts sprinkled in throughout this movie. So we have the main band of the wonders. We have a uh, Tom Everett Scott as Guy Patterson, uh, who we were talking about that we kind of wish we could see a little bit more. Now, yeah, the days you don't see him around. Yeah, Jonathan sheck as Jimmy, who I love. I love Jonathan Sheck. Probably the one that steals the movie is Steve Zahn as Lenny. I Love him. <laughs> he's always so funny, but God, he kills in this one. Um, another one who kind of steals, um, kind of the background is Ethan Embry. Yep. Okay, this is what I was talking about—the the bass player jokes. Um, his name is TB Player, and he's only cre- <laughs> he's credited. Well, that's the name that pops up at the end when they do like the little, you know, where are they now? But if in the credits, he is just the bass player. Yep. <laughs> so. <laughs> thought you would like that nobody knows the bass player (laughs) nobody knows the bass player (laughs) anyway giovanni rubisi is the old drummer chad yeah
2: he's the pete best of the movie
3: liv tyler is faye Mm -hmm. tom hanks himself mr white okay and then like as you go on throughout the movie who pops up sean whalen who i love Mm -hmm. uh chris isaac Kevin Paul- Pollock, uh, Clint Howard, Paul Feig, Yep, Brian Cranston, Jonathan Demi, yep. Rita Wilson, uh-huh. <laughs> Like,
2: well, Bill Cobbs is also one of those sort of often seen <laughs> character actors. You know, uh, so many people, so, so many people, many, and you know, so many. Uh, of these, you know, just in really, really momentary, you know, cameos, probably pulling in a favor for Tom, right? Well, I mean, of um, course,
3: Rita Wilson. Is Rita Wilson, of course. That's, <laughs> of
2: course. <laughs> um, But then, you know, Charlize Theron, who we've already oh, mentioned. Oh, I mentioned her. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I skipped over her name. And, you know, obviously her role was cut down considerably it sounds uh. like from from the, its original version but you know having much more of her seems kind of pointless yeah she's but i mean you, know, you, you get it sorry to say because i love we I mean, love charlie's theron <laughs> i mean come on <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. who, who doesn't i mean anyway. like only one of the most gorgeous women in the world <laughs> oh good lord yeah and what but but you know she's she's such a f- fine actress i mean if anyone deserved an oscar it was her for monster oh god Uh, she's incredible in that and
3: she's like an action star now god i love her i know
2: i mean and (laughs) and she's gonna have her own furiosa movie you know which is crazy and just i love that and well deserved too because that is such an indelible part of the Mm. whole mad max series now anyway
3: i was really surprised i I think it was like the last couple of times i watched this and i really like looked into it that i didn't realize that jonathan demi was actually
2: in the movie oh i missed him
3: he is the producer of the movie and he shows up um as the director of the weekend at party pier movie that they're shooting
2: oh, okay yeah that yeah. makes sense <laughs> you know and then this was the director of photography on this was Tak fujimoto who yeah. was uh jonathan demme's he, he shot silence of the lambs and other things yep. with demi i mean for any okay i have to say for any first time director the director of photography is a key element of that, you know, True. is a big element of that. Obviously, Hanks um, had been around enough movie stats to know what the director needed to do, <laughs> you know, and so he, I'm sure, took charge, but I'm sure for some of the technical elements, probably also relied on, you yeah. know, as all filmmakers do. Uh, relied on your collaborators. And so it's great to have great collab- collaborators. And Hanks was in a position to get the best ones available, yep. so, which is fantastic.
3: I mean, he had a lot to do with, you know, the writing and directing in the movie. But yeah, when you have the, that kind of collaboration, like how can you not create something amazing?
2: It's really special. A great he editor, does. Richard Chu, was on mm-hmm. it too. Um, so lots of really... Terrific people working in front of and behind the camera here. And most of the people in front of the camera that are not cameos are newcomers, really. They hadn't done a lot before this. It's just great to see these young actors sort of emerging, you know, someone like Steve Zahn, you know, sort of appearing fully formed on screen, it seems. Right. You know. <laughs> It's like just the Steve's on that we would
3: know him as yeah. you kind of know him now yeah yeah. <laughs> and Tom Hanks didn't even want to hire uh, Tom Everett Scott at first because he thought he looked too much like him <laughs>
2: and he does he looks so he much really like does. the younger him <laughs> I mean you look at Tom Hanks' earlier movies like the comedies you know something like The Money Pit Splash yeah. things like that even some of the mannerisms that he has are just like Tom Hanks sort of the way he bobs his head and different <laughs> things that he does are yeah. just like bosom buddies Tom Hanks you know right and it's <laughs> uncanny really but he's so good as God. and you get the feeling because he looks so much like Tom Hanks that there's almost an autobiographical element to it you know <laughs> possibly. It's, but i don't know that tom hanks has got any experience on musical instruments at all but there's just something about maybe this is a little bit of wishful thinking it's like i wish i could have been the drummer in a band possibly. like this you know
3: yeah that, that's kind of what surprised me like the first movie that you write and direct is uh, kind of a musical and then i've never really unless i'm not remembering anything at the moment and i don't really know of anything else like this that he's done
2: no i mean yeah? his interest big interests that we know of him are things like he loves the space program. He's very interested in the space program. A lot of the stuff he's done uh, as far as producing has been involved with with that and he's very interested in like World War II history and you know Mm -hmm. another movie he wrote you know it just came out this last year Greyhound was based on that interest so um, those are the things we know of him so for him to do something about you know rock and roll bands from the early 60s is kind of like oh okay (laughs) you know it's it's it doesn't necessarily scream tom hanks to me yeah but that said i I know he's a beatles fan (laughs) (laughs) it's hard not to be it's hard not to be of that era and not be a beatles fan but you know i love the beatles but i have to go on record to say that i'm more of a stones guy (laughs) me too
3: So what I kind of like about um, how this movie goes is that uh, the person who's kind of our eyes through the movie is Guy, who's Mm -hmm. not in the band initially, you know, that we're talking about, but he's kind of the one that that guides us through the story, and, and I like that, and it shows... Kind of, um, ever like what I like is that every person in the band has their own personality and their own purpose. And his purpose to me is just that he's just a guy that loves music yeah. and just wants to play it. And that's all he wants to do. Cause like that's what we get from that first scene where he's like in the basement of his parents' store just playing the drums. Yeah.
2: You know, I, I think that. <laughs> Even the fact that his name is Guy, you know, is yeah. he's almost a little bit of a blank. You know, we can project ourselves onto him. Sure. You know, we all have a passion on something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and something we wish we could do. I I just love that we are carried through. But yeah, I mean, he's not. He's not. Doesn't lack personality <laughs> or something like right. that. That's <laughs> not what I mean. But but he's something that we can project ourselves onto. I
3: would say he's kind of the. Similar, but also the opposite of of Jimmy, mm-hmm. who is very serious about his music. I don't know how to say. It. Like he he wants guy wants guy wants to do it the right way. He wants to yeah. keep like keep integrity. Whereas it's like Jimmy would kind of do anything to have it his way. Yeah,
2: Jimmy's kind of a diva. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. He's the talent, as he's called by yeah. Mister White at the end. But he's also the. He'll throw a hissy fit if he doesn't get his his way. Right. You know. Which he like, does. <laughs> I have my vision and my vision is right. Artistic integrity is why I'm here. Right. When are we going to go cut another album? Do we really have to not play our own music for this stupid beach movie? You know, I mean, that's. <laughs> and you should have told me about this Rick. An Anita movie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, whereas uh, Guy sees that it's part of the game. It's something Mm -hmm. you, it's a hoop you have to jump through in order to get ultimately what you want, you know, and Jimmy just cannot see that. He's like, I want to be, I see where we're supposed to be and this, I don't want to go through the intermediate steps to get there.
3: Mm. Tom Hanks calls Guy or, or actually Phil initially calls a guy the smart one of the group. Honestly, I really think it's Lenny. (laughs) As much as he's called a (laughs) A fool and he's a goofball, I think he's the one that really gets like what they're doing he does like he he's just along for the ride and he knows that it's not going to last long i think and he's like we're just here to have fun like what are you talking about why are you getting all serious just go along for the ride let's just have he's a good time while we're
2: here ball i love he's the part the where he's life. where he's you know it's like the shrimp shack shooters you know and he's <laughs> playing around with the saxophone which he doesn't play you right. know and he's just having a blast and he and he's like hey i'm i, I met this girl and you know i'm gonna (laughs) go to vegas and i'm gonna (laughs) this is (laughs) yeah i mean he gets that it's just a temporary thing exactly and i might as well enjoy it as much as i can while i can because it's not gonna last forever he gets what's happening
3: yeah and the poor uh, Ethan Embry as the bass player. <laughs> he's just, I think he's a good um, representation too, because his thing is, you know, he's going to go into the army and that's probably going to be his actual career. Yep. But this is just something fun for him to do. And he's young. Ethan Embry was 17 years old when they made this movie.
2: Oh, wow. And he looks at, he's such a baby face. He's so cute. One of the things I like about them is they're all pretty good musicians too. Mm-hmm. You know, they
3: worked really hard to, yeah. I mean, I don't think they're actually playing maybe not the final recordings it looks like it though they look like they know what they're doing they've at at least least. learned how
2: to play the song yeah they're probably playing unplugged but they are at least they at least know how to play the song you can hear you know the bass parts and the guitar parts on that thing you do you know they sound very much like what those part sounded like in 1964 for bands that wanted to be the american version of the beatles and there were a lot of them (laughs) yeah you know and most of them (laughs) are in fact one hit wonders
3: yeah as they keep referring to the wonders you know they're
2: you know teen sensations just like the beatles yeah yeah And you know That was the thing And I think Hanks captures that So well And the different Kinds of music That mm-hmm. were Happening at that time You had the girl group You know like The Supremes there You have the crooner Who's singing The James Bond Rip off theme song um, <laughs> I love that There's all these Different elements And I didn't even realize You said the opening song The mm-hmm. all, all tied up in not song Or whatever it is Was an original song For the movie That it was not A pre-existing song i had no idea it totally sounds
3: like a song from that time period like just like a little ditty from a commercial or something you know that's Mm -hmm. exactly what it sounds like but tom hanks i don't know if he wrote it by himself but he he helped write that that's an original thing for the movie a lot of almost all the songs i would say are Mm -hmm. uh, for the movie and tom hanks wrote a lot of them which is very impressive like Mm -hmm. that thing you do is like such a bop like we both said we both had this in our heads for like (laughs) days watching this you can't help but have it in your head for days after you Watch I watch mean, that
2: thing you do. <laughs> you do hear the song a lot in this movie. Yeah. But part of that is kind of ingenious <laughs> because that's the way one hit wonders go. You hear them constantly on the radio and then they're gone. You yeah. know, they rarely play the song all the way through.
3: The one time that they do, um, or not, not the one time, but one of the times that they do is like my favorite scene in the
2: whole movie. The TV special it's... or the TV no. performance. Oh, okay.
3: Nope. The, uh, when they first hear it on the radio.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that scene. That's a great, yeah. great scene.
3: So, I don't know. Do we want to go through, like, the plot here? Just talking about maybe yeah, our little can, favorite parts?
2: You know, I think I love how it starts where they're trying to come up with names for the band. Yes. And <laughs> they're terrible. And they're all trying to be puns, you know, like the Beatles is. Uh-huh. You know, B E A T l-e-s right instead of the insect right yes. it's like so i think we should call ourselves the herdsman but like but like herd h-e-a-r-d you know so it's, it's like, like one
3: of those senses
2: <laughs> yeah
3: did you say the corvettes or the cord
2: vets <laughs> yeah i mean it's so funny because i mean again it's drawing attention to this fact that everyone's just kind of trying to be the beatles right at this time <laughs> and y- instead of trying to be themselves
3: and like everything has to be like musically related like all the uh-huh. other names that they come up with tempos
2: the, yeah right it's like no I was in a band called the tempos we can't
3: <laughs> we were terrible we were terrible
2: I love that it you know it, it sets off right off the bat that Guy really is a very serious and talented musician. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rock and roll isn't really his thing. He likes jazz. Jazz. You know, his much more complex, like, polyrhythms and things like that that he's doing instead of just sort of the straightforward bop stuff they're doing. Mm -hmm. But I I love, you know, and then, of course, you know, Giovanni Ribisi breaking his arm, jumping over the...
3: (laughs) Jumping over the parking meters. Parking meters. (laughs) And it's just happening in the background while they're talking about the herdsman, the herdsman. <laughs> name again. And again, like little Ethan Embry, like stealing every little scene that he's in. Guys, Chad fell down.
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> he's great. So and they don't even give the guy a name. He's TB player. Okay. <laughs> Nobody cares about bass players, Brian.
3: Oh.
2: Have I, I don't know if, I, have I even mentioned that I'm a bass player on this show? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough, okay I learned how to play guitar first But I actually kind of prefer bass now (laughs) But anyway I think um, bass players are cool. Yeah, well, bass players are cool.
3: So he breaks his arm. Chad breaks his arm. And that's when they ask Guy to uh, sit in for him while they, uh, they're they going to be in the Mercyhurst College talent show. Big deal.
2: Yes. Big now,
3: deal. Where they're practicing is where Faye comes up with uh, the idea for their band name being The Wonders. With, a, with an O and E. An E
2: at the beginning. <laughs> the Oneaters. Looks like The, the Oneaters. No, that's The Oneaters. No
3: no, no, no. It's The, the Wonders. Got it. Looks like the O'Neater's. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm probably going to quote Steve. I, I, like love, one is I love
2: Steve Zahn's, Steve Zahn's line lines. where he's at the bar. Hey, that's the O'Netter's.
3: O'Netter's. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But Liv Tyler uh, at this time, I mean, she had mostly just been in Aerosmith videos, I think. She is so sweet. She's so sweet. She's so gorgeous. I was totally in love with her during this right? time. Seriously. <laughs> uh,
3: Tom Hanks or uh, Mr. White at the end when they, again, when they're kind of, and he's, kind of describing what every one person in the band, their importance is to the band, which I also thought was funny because he didn't mention the bass player in that either. It might (laughs) have been because... It might have been because he had already left at that point, you know. probably. Well, they got got Wolfman. They got Wolfman, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, he says, you know, well, Faye is special, isn't she? And I would say she's more like... She's the heart of the band. She's not in the band, but she is the heart of the band. The heart that gets broken, sadly. It does. But... She, I think, she, yeah, she's very special. She's very important to keeping them together in a way. She's like that one person that they all love. You know, because how can you not? She's such a sweetheart in this movie. And it's just, it's kind of sucks watching her later
2: on with Jimmy. It, it really does. He's um, becoming a you jerk. Know, and there should be. And his anger is so out of proportion <laughs> mm-hmm. in that scene. Yeah. But I like that they set up that Jimmy has written the song as a ballad that it's mm-hmm. slow and you know it sounds kind of good is it's, it sounds way? nice if. you know guys kind of going along with it he's like okay all right
3: i like the version that plays on the the end credits too there's like a different version of that thing you do mm-hmm. i like that one too yeah
2: yeah but then you know you just <laughs> go to that concert and he just decides he's gonna play it faster yep and uh jimmy is fighting him. He's trying to slow it down while he's singing it. But then (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, Lenny is just like sticking with the drums. I love that. You know, he's, he's coming in on the vocals and he's just, hitting hitting the beats with the drummer rather than with Jimmy and Jimmy's just they're like pissed. off when he like, yeah yeah well and there's there's, <laughs> there's the thing but i mean that's two musicians who are very good with these differing interpretations fighting each other but the guy who's not the leader turns out to be right yeah that has got to kill jimmy he doesn't really say it right you know he and it's tells his baby, him, you know. He wrote it. That's he right. writes all the songs for the band, so of has right. got his name appears on, on the record. record. <laughs> you know, it's it. There it is. You know, I really like <laughs> I like
3: that. these scenes too because is where uh, Sean Whalen. I love Sean Whalen. <laughs> he comes in. He's like he's just known as the heckler, oh. but he becomes their their number one fan.
2: <laughs> oh, he's with the, moments he's with the guy He's wonderful. Yeah, he's great. I
3: don't know why I always love that moment when uh, the guy is introducing the the wonders and he tells a dumb joke and Sean. Whelan and it's just like, you're a jerk, Ken. Yep. Shut up! Get your ass. <laughs>
2: <He just> goes <laughs> like, off on him. Then,
3: I don't know why that moment's in there, but I always thought it was
2: hilarious. But there's so much funny stuff in in this sort of rise to fame thing. Yeah. You know, like they're playing in the pizza parlor and he, they finish the song and then Lenny says, table 19, your pizza is ready. <laughs> Over the
3: mic. shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's why this movie is so rewatchable and just such a joy. There's all these little moments that you cling on to that mm-hmm. don't even really have anything to do with the main story, but because the actors are so funny and just like so in their prime and at the top of their game and like mm-hmm. obviously having a blast with this movie, and you can see a lot of like improv and collaboration probably that happened between them and Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, like they pro- like he like let. Um, Steve's on like riff or like you know give him ideas for lines or there was even one I was watching um, one of the background like this sh- the shot where he's just sitting there playing cards with, playing go fish with those guys yeah. that was just a shot that Tom Hanks had an idea for and he just like set it up like at the end of the day and it was like kind of an improv thing yeah that they did like that's it's funny well, get any threes you have this it's so funny and it still works for the mm-hmm. character
2: you have this two-time awesome Oscar winning actor in the presence of these young up and comers who just want to learn. And, you know, you get the impression that I get the impression anyway, that Hanks, at least at this time, was let's help these guys out. Let's do what Mm -hmm. we can to make them shine, to help them shine. And so I imagine there was probably, you know, that mentor relationship happening here. I mean, I can't know that for sure, but I, I love that idea. Oh, he
3: definitely! I bet Tom Hanks is definitely that guy.
2: You know? Yeah, he <laughs> would do that. And I've heard, you know, on several from several people that have either met him or third hand heard stories about him that. He was just like the, literally one of the really nice guys in Hollywood. Yeah, a a genuine person too. So I hope that's all true. I mean, you can never really know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we hear stories. Doesn't it suck? You have to say
3: that. Yeah. Yeah. But but they win the talent show and they get the attention of the owner of the pianos, yeah. Um, a spaghetti place out by the airport where they're gonna play. <laughs>
2: I love that they <laughs> describe it as the spaghetti place out by the airport. The pianos
3: and their little heckler fan Sean Wayland suggests that they make a record because uh-huh. he wants to own it. And this is where
2: Chris Isaac comes in as Uncle Bob. I love this. <laughs> I love that Chris Isaac is in this movie. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I'm a big fan of him musically. I am too. But also, he's such a good singer. He's so funny. He is yeah, he just is. really, really funny person. And, you know, like, I don't know if you ever saw the Chris Isaac show. It's a, bonkers mm. television show i haven't seen all of it but what i have seen is just like this guy is just he's a terrific actor
3: he is i love he, when he pops up and stuff yeah
2: yeah he's very funny he's got a great presence i wish he was in more stuff frankly he's like he's, so
3: tall and yeah. the hair is so like the pompadour kind of dude that he usually has oh yeah
2: so good looking. I love it. Honestly, I kind of wish that he had taken over because they were shifting around the judges on American Idol and he was up for that. And I was like, "Oh, I would love to have Chris Isaac on there cuz mm-hmm. he's just so damn funny."
3: I love Baby Did a Bad Thing. I love that song. Oh
2: gosh, yeah. He was he was doing all sorts of o tour, you know, songs for o tours back in the day. You know, one of my favorite songs period is a uh, wicked game which of yeah. course in david lynch's uh wild at heart and then you know baby did a bad bad thing for eyes wide shut
3: one of the best trailers ever by the way is for eyes wide shut with the baby
2: did a bad thing yes. playing oh yes love that we might be talking about that movie yeah oh yeah,
3: yeah. yes we might anyway so they, yeah they make their record they're playing at villa pianos again and phil uh, buys it and takes notice of it and <laughs> another one of my uh, cute little scene again with Steve son <laughs> they um phil wants to like be their manager be their first manager uh get their song on the radio get them playing at, at rock shows and get them noticed and uh, they have a little meeting um in his camper making he's making stew for them I love this
0: line. and
3: <laughs> and jimmy is very jimmy has that line of you know he's because he's a serious musician right yeah it's like I'm. I'm very reluctant to sign anything that has to do with my music. And yeah, one of the best lines from Steve Son. <laughs> what are you crazy? <laughs> a man in a really nice camper wants to put our song on the radio. Give me a pen. I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing.
2: Yeah, and that's <laughs> again, like you said, Lenny is the smart one. He gets it. He's the covert <laughs> smart one of this movie. Yes, he is. And then here, this is where we get our. Pretty soon after this, we get our line right. I am Spartacus. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: That that was one of the things that got cut out too. Um, I remember there was like a little makeout sesh between uh, Tina and Guy, and that's like one of the things that he says to her that kind of like turns her on, I guess. Because <laughs> there's a because he says that later on on the phone, like he tries to do that, like the I. Spartacus you know yeah. <laughs> and she's that's when she kind of goes hangs up on him because she can't hear but right. <laughs> that, that was one of the things that got added in but yeah before well, before that we have the little scene where she uh she meets her dentist and already you can kind of tell like from the earlier scenes that guy and Tina are not the right people for no, each other really not at all no she, she keeps trying to like talk about things that she's interested in like you know Jimmy and Faye are really cute couple together right like she's She's not really given a whole lot, you know, for her character. No. And the the way this cut goes kind of makes her look like... I don't know. I don't know if it makes it look bad or anything. I don't think it does, but it just kind of shows that, again, they're they're different people. They're yeah. not really right for each other anyway. Uh, but then, like, my absolute favorite scene of the whole movie, this scene, like, makes me cry, seriously, is when they first hear the song um, on the radio.
2: It's magical.
3: It is so <laughs> magical. Like, the exuberance and mm-hmm. the how happy they are. Dan- like I said, they play, the, they play the whole song all the way through. Like, mm-hmm. Faye's the one that hears at first. And she goes running down the street and they're like, she's freaking out and she runs into... I guess we'll call him TB. <laughs> she runs into the bass player. It's coming out of the army store, and he's so excited. And they all meet up at um, the Patterson appliance store, and they're mm-hmm. dancing around. And turning just, on all like, the radios. Turning on all the radios. When they turn on the big radio, and they're all like doing "Ring Around the Rosie" around it, and they're just the the, the way that they are so freaking happy. Like I literally get tears in my eyes every time because it. I usually cry at happy stuff <laughs> instead of sad stuff, you know. And this is just like such a a good example because they let the whole song play out and just show their emotion for like this is like cuz that's a huge thing. Yeah. for a new band, right? Yeah. Um just to show how excited they are. It just it makes me so happy.
2: I love it. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's It's so wonderful. It's probably I mean, in a movie filled with great scenes, that might be the best. And yeah. it's just that good. Yeah. It's fantastic. I don't know what else to say about it except it's incredible, you know?
3: Yeah. And then at the end, yeah, he does this I am Spartacus. I am
1: Spartacus,
2: yeah. Uh, but then they have their first big gig. Uh you have Kevin yeah. Pollock here introducing them as the O Needers.
3: Bus <laughs> Vicus. Yeah, they're playing at the Orpheum Theater in uh-huh. Pittsburgh, which seems like a very nice venue, but they kind of choke they, majorly.
2: Yeah. He knocks his cymbal over. There were problems with the mics. They, ugh, they it's just everything about it is just awful. And, you know, there's a little bit about this movie. There are things like that and some other things on the tour and stuff that are just a little bit Spinal Tap, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Spinal Tap. And having, if anyone who's been on Even a very limited tour, you have experienced at least one Spinal Tap moment at pretty much every concert. (laughs) So, to say this feels very Spinal Tap is actually like it's saying this is very authentic. (laughs) You know, I mean, even in the limited capacities I've had, you know, playing some for different shows or playing for concerts with, I've gigged with a couple of friends and things like that and generally there's at least something that goes wrong I mean I even had a friend who there's a line in Spinal Tap where they said if I told him once I told him a thousand times put Spinal Tap first and Puppet Show last he actually showed up at a gig and it was his name and Puppet Show on the marquee (laughs) So it was just like, these things are very authentic. They actually happen. Um, And so to have that first gig, I mean, and then later things in the tour, just like, this is just feels way too real. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. Um, But I like that uh, what Phil says to Guy, like in this scene, um, right before he takes him to meet Mr. White. Mm -hmm. You know, he obviously doesn't chastise them for like doing a bad job. You know, shit happens. But as they're walking to meet Mr. White, what Phil tells Guy is... Because I thought this was a little bit different than what i knew of like the reputation of drummers he says that he's the backbone of the band he's the timekeeper mm-hmm. you know and that he's the, he says like that he's a smart one of the group um I don't know. I just always thought that like drummers had like a different reputation than that. It
2: depends on the drummer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There, there is the reputation, you know, the jokes, you know, what do you call yeah. a guy that hangs around with musicians, a drummer, a drummer? Yeah. You know, <laughs> things like that. But the thing is, frankly, if I'm thinking about, I think they're all pretty good, but if I had to pick the best musician, overall musician of the whole band, I would pick Guy yeah. as the person who really knows his stuff. Um, Jimmy is a terrific songwriter, but he's not necessarily a terrific guitar player. He's fine. Good singer. Yeah, and he's a good singer. Um, But as far as really knowing music and loving music deeply. Oh, yeah. That's definitely guy. It's guy, you know, and loving all kinds of music, too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that is the hallmark of of a terrific musician is loving lots of different kinds of music and listening to lots of different kinds of music and sort of living and breathing it.
3: Not just being into your own thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's... Not just being into creating, but being into consuming as well.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And mm-hmm. that's why I think Jimmy is interesting that you say that, because Jimmy is very into his own music. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's really into other people's that much.
3: Yeah, that's why it's kind of surprising, but not, that he takes... Guy to meet Mr. White and not Jimmy, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. And yeah, this is a scene where we have Tom Hanks as Mr. White. Uh, one of I guess he's a producer
2: of for Playtone Records. He's a yeah, he's a producer and talent manager, I believe. Talent scout and yeah. talent manager, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And then yeah, but then Hanks comes into the movie and uh, he's so perfect. <laughs> I just I don't know what else to say. I love Tom Hanks, especially like I said in this kind of role where he can be funny. He can have his little moments of seriousness too. And he just kind of it feels like when he shows up, he kind of completes the movie, you know? He
2: does. yeah, yeah. And his part isn't huge, but it is the gravitas of it having someone like him in the role. I think is' important. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't him, I'm not sure who else could really play that part. Now I'm thinking. it's hard to think of who could really fit into that role and have, you know, the sort of instant, gravitas you know like we've talked about like with jack nicholson in that role in broadcast news right mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's that kind of a thing
3: and that he's the kind of character and actor who can um play with all of the different guys in the band like especially like him and lenny <laughs> <It's funny>. Yeah, <laughs> like the scene on the airplane where it's like lenny give me that paper give me the paper <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great i mean
2: he's got yeah. he's got a sense of authority but he's also funny um, he's also fun yeah, and yeah, he can have fun with the guys. He's got authority, but he's also got a kind heart. You see that, you yes. know, like when he sends uh, Liv Tyler's character out to get a makeover, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and get for the television for show, the yeah. television spe- uh, television performance. I keep calling it a special, but it's a performance. I really like that because I mean, there's not a lot of emphasis put on that. It's just like it just is. And you like him even though, as an authority figure, there's a danger that you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But because it's Tom Hanks, I think that is softened a bit.
3: Yep. So, yeah, he changes their name from the O'Neaters to the The Wonders. wonders. As in, I wonder what happened (laughs) to the (laughs) O'Neaters. Yes. And he kind of gives them their... Band personality I guess in a way yeah. You know Saying that they're gonna He's gonna put them In matching suits And I've ever told you guys You look good in red <laughs> You look good in gold Have I told you that? Yeah I love <laughs> yeah. all that
2: stuff Gives uh, He, give, he gives, gives Guys Guys his, his trademark screen. Which is a Pair of sunglasses
3: Which he has Like three names In this movie <laughs> Guy Like his His initial nickname Is Skitch Which I kinda right. like I like Skitch <laughs> And then he's known as uh Shades, Shades you know, For the band yeah. Because he's the cool drummer. <laughs> are those prescription or are you just trying to look cool? Well, I am the drummer. <laughs> just like the most perfect line. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he takes them and they go on a tour, or the state fair tour, with uh, the other people um, at the Playtone label.
2: Yeah, and this whole montage has uh, mm-hmm. lots of references to things like Hard Day's Night, you know, like where they're playing on the map and yeah. stuff. That is <laughs> that's directly homaging Hard Day's Night, which is Cute. It's wonderful, and it is cute. And also, (laughs) also, I think that um, Lenny's jokes, like the one about the prize pig, and the, (laughs) you know. that's a very George Harrison kind of line it's so funny they're being
3: interviewed yeah and he's like oh I'm not with these fellas I got a pig in competition over at the Livestock Pavilion and I am gonna win that blue ribbon
2: yeah I mean it's the kind of thing like in Hard Day's Night they ask
3: I saw that so many I saw that in high school yeah
2: I haven't seen it in a while Uh, either but they ask the band you know so how do you find America and he says George Harrison says turn left at Greenland you know I mean it's (laughs) George Harrison Was kind of the understated funny one, you know. That's George Harrison's my favorite Beatle. By the way, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. He was the most talented one. Anyway, okay.
3: (laughs) But the state fair tour, it does have. I like the little montage um, uh, To because again Ethan Embry is being so freaking cute Mm -hmm. and every little thing that he does like he they kind of set up that he's in love with the band the the Chantrelenes yes
2: it's so cute
3: especially the one um, backup singer who is like she's so gorgeous she's like Mm -hmm. the prettiest person in the whole movie yeah I love that little moment when they're singing their song and he's just like off to the side on the stage and like doing their little dance
2: (laughs) yeah it's great so
3: freaking cute but this uh the state fair tour it kind of sets up like all the good stuff that's happening for Mm -hmm. them as a band, but it also kind of brings in the conflict because yep. this is where Diane Dane, the yes. one of the singers. Who's she supposed to be? Like, just a she's just like one of those beautiful like female
2: crooners. Who's yeah? <laughs> I don't know who. Maybe a Nancy Sinatra yeah kind of character.
3: Jimmy Jimmy becomes very partial to her.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, Mr. White says some things like, oh, this will be a shock to her. Uh, uh, a <laughs> record actually, record climbing, actually the climbing the charts. Yeah. I thought, ooh, you know, you you know instantly that with that line that Hanks doesn't like her and it's almost a warning to the band to just stay away from her. You know, I don't know... Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's he says that's a fay though. Yeah, he he's kind of maybe even a warning of like you know keep Jimmy away from her you know because this is trouble, uh, without actually saying it. I think there's some really funny things here though you know like the whole there bow is. bow and unplug thing. That <laughs> you unplug me, and
3: you run run off stage. That Smiling. makes me laugh
2: every time when they actually show him, because by that time by the time they actually show them do that they have done uh-huh. that zillions of times I'm sure yeah you, you know and yeah. they just show them bow in unison they unplug at exactly the same moment and they're gone it is so and they funny. run <laughs> it it makes me laugh every time
3: uh yeah so many great uh little moments um Kind of a, a nice moment too is like right before they're gonna play mm-hmm. like their first state fair performance is when um Steve Zahn, you know, says to says to Guy, like, Cool, take us there, sketch you know. Yeah. I think that's a really nice moment. I like that. I really <laughs> like Because it's like that. this is a big moment. This is a big
2: thing. And I also really like Mr. White saying uh to Faye, Hey, come on over here and just stand stand, stand right by me. You know, we'll get so mm-hmm. we have like the best view. You know, I think I love that little touch i mean it's just he's kind of fatherly he yes. un, he is taking care of her because i think he's worried that she's gonna get hurt
3: because mm-hmm. at first like when he's like okay who is Faye? you know when he's first meeting up with them and mm-hmm. just kind of getting things together for the band he's like oh well she's a girlfriend okay you want her to come with us she's she- She'll be your costume mistress. Like, he seems very uninterested in her, but yet, yeah, throughout, like, she's the heart of the band. He sees something about her. Yeah, he sees that. He sees that she's the heart of the band and that you gotta take care of her.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's actually really, I find that relationship, even though it's not very much explored, what we do see is really a beautiful thing. And I think Mm -hmm. the fact, you know, that um, Mr. White is gay stops it from being creepy. Oh yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because it's a it's a little bit of a it's it's more feels creepy. It's more of a fatherly kind of thing. He's a protector of her. He's trying to guard her heart a bit because I think he sees that Jimmy, uh, he's seen this all before, right? Uh, Oh yeah, and so he sees the dangers inherent uh, to what's going to happen with Jimmy. I think he can already predict that she's going to get her heart broken,
3: which is why I think he asks in that one scene in the bar when he asks, like, "So how long have uh, you and Jimmy been? Yeah. You and Jimmy, you know?" Because he's he's curious. He's like, uh, "I think this girl is too good for him." Yeah, uh, he sees he sees that right away. Yeah, another kind of exuberant moment that I like. Just another one of those like just great band moments that it, this movie shows is when um, he first shows them that they're uh, on Billboard, yes. at number,
2: 93.
3: number ninety three. <laughs> he's like so blase about it he's like just like look at number 93 and then he walks away
2: and they just I flip think out he's playing it down though i oh, think yeah, he's totally, excited totally. for them i think he's just like you're number 93 you know like yeah, but totally. in- inside i'm sure he's he like, plays it so cool is, yeah i love but that's it that's just another
3: great moment just watching how excited and like proud of themselves they are like when you think about this movie too um what guy says when he's talking to del paxton at the end, uh-huh. He says that they've only been together for two months. So this all happened in two months. Unreal. But Isn't that you know, unreal? hey,
2: that's the way it goes. That's the way and it goes. And that just kind
3: of yeah, that just kinda of makes the whole thing in the movie like it's hit even harder like this happened so this is so big so fast like of course they were gonna fail you know almost yeah, in a way yeah. like that's just how it happens it's a very common tale as mr
2: wright says the one hit wonders so that i mean this whole heading out to california thing <laughs> that the, you know the movie shoot and I, what's the name of the band again <laughs> before they
3: get on the plane and he's like we're heading out to california <laughs> and they're all excited and the bass player is like Disneyland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. They um, they're off making a major motion picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like how they call it that, and then like, um, like we said, Jonathan Demi plays the director of it. Like that's how he's credited. It. He's credited as director of major motion picture. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah, they're um, they're Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Yeah,
2: that's right. <laughs> Geach and the and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. I love how when they go. Okay, so they go to the first radio station, right? And and he introduces them, and they say, "Say hi, boys. Hi!" And that's it. Okay, that's you can leave League your headphones too, yeah. there. But the next one, when they go in to uh, Clint Howard is the DJ and he's like mm-hmm. a jazz station. It's like, so uh, what are what are your influences, man? And he says, uh, <laughs> Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. <laughs> it's just a perfect. I love that because, again, you have Steve Zahn's character who's just so damn into all of this. Right. You know, and he's like. And then you have. Tom Hanks'
3: face after he says that Yeah, (laughs) kills me every time.
2: So funny, though. He's a smart ass, but he's smart. Exactly. But then you have, you know, you have Guy, you know, naming off all these jazz musicians. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Clint Howard is like into it it's like yeah. oh yeah, these guys are. This is something, man. This isn't just another flash in the pan rock and roll band. You know, I think because yeah. I mean, you got to remember, 1964, rock and roll was only so accepted by this point. It was seen as a lesser music. It was you know, as pop music. Yep. I know what you, you can compare it and today I don't know Justin Bieber or something like that. I don't know. Um. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it shows guys' true love of music. Yeah, that's right. And like we said, in all different kinds of music, mm-hmm. like before that. Too. Um, this is where it kind of introduces that oh no when um, when they're leaving their last um, state fair gig uh, it's a funny scene too because they do like the Beatles thing where it's mm-hmm. like they're going out to the car and it's like yes. hundreds of screaming girls and Steve Zahn again just like getting all this he's like climb on to top of the car please It's great. Well, and, <laughs> and of course they I do I love that guy
2: goes back to get Faye
3: he goes back for Faye
2: because yep. she's being cut off because it's like you know And it's not Jimmy, it's Guy, you know, and that is very telling, right?
3: That Jimmy wouldn't have her with him, no. He had to go by himself. And she's sick when they first get to California. Yeah, which sucks. And that's when they introduce like the hotel concierge that I really like, Lamar. Uh, yeah, Lamar's great. <laughs> he's awesome. It's
2: his hotel. It's his hotel. He yeah. takes care of people. Yeah. And so I love this the night where they all split up too.
3: Well yeah, they meet up with the head I guess he's the head of Plato and the president yeah, of Plato. Yeah, played by um, Mo
2: Green from The Godfather. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, that is great casting right there. <laughs> you know Saul Siler. Yeah, Saul Siler as uh,
3: and he has, they have that one little meeting with him, which is obviously
2: only for a photo op. Yeah. And then, you know, Jimmy trying to talk to him is like,
0: who is this? You know,
2: yeah. oh, it's like, what is Jimmy doing? <laughs> Tom Hanks just freaked out knowing what's really going on here. and just like, oh gosh. Yeah.
3: And uh, the scene kind of at the diner, but before they all split up, um, yeah. uh, kind of because jimmy is talking about like this is again with like just how different they are and how how differently they're seeing what's happening to them jimmy is like we're talking about the guy who's in charge of our collective fate our creative destiny and again steve Zahn is like what are you talking about exactly <laughs> like this is that's not what's gonna happen uh, here he can totally see that
2: yeah he so knows yeah. what's up
3: there she goes to write that hit song alone on my principles yeah that's right <laughs> and then Faye coming in to to defend jemmy and um the the bass player and guyard because she says you know like his his standards are so high because he's so smart you know and it's like really because it kind of sounds like he's just being an asshole <laughs> yeah and you can see that on the bass player and um guy's face yeah and again like her just being like another like you know karen allen type of character you know like from scrooge like yeah. he's just he's just so perfect and so sweet and like just always trying to see the best in everybody and even when he's clearly kind of just like done yeah. with her. Like as if he ever, you can kind of see in the earlier scenes, like maybe a little bit of their relationship, but she's always definitely seems to be more into him than he is to her. Yeah. He's just too, he's so focused on being a musician, which is, I don't know how that, how that goes, but he's, it seems like he lets that take over himself and he kind of forgets about other people. He's being a little bit selfish.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you know, this whole spectrum split up evening thing the the night on their own thing you know you've mm-hmm. got TB heading off to Disneyland with the marines uh, which is really <laughs> he does, like the 100 funny. pushups the 100 push- I can yeah. already
3: do 200, 200 pushups
2: it gives the 100 right now <laughs> yeah and then uh steve's okay do you know
3: anything about jazz a little bit okay what's the thing um with lamar and he asked lamar for like a good jazz a place that plays really good jazz and he asked him that question yeah about like like, does he get the question right or wrong and <laughs> like i don't understand like that he
2: gets the question right and because okay. of that lamar knows that he's serious that That's what I was wondering. I was like, "Is it? Yeah, that it's is like it that, if, or
3: is if he he needs to he needs to hear some good jazz, or if he? Okay, I like, got it.
2: Now. No, he's 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 like yeah. Um, because I think if he had said, oh, Glenn Miller or." <laughs> or Benny Goodman or someone like that. He would have been like, um, you don't know what you're okay. talking about. Um <laughs> But because was, but he, I mean that was sort of like the big okay. hit stuff and he was like, you know, I want you do you know the real do you know real jazz? I mean, that's okay. essentially what he's saying. Not that Benny Goodman and and uh, you know, what's his face, aren't <laughs> real jazz.
3: That's how I read. I just wasn't sure. I was like, cuz it could if you don't know who he's talking about, you can kind of read it either way. Oh, yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I don't
2: know that he got the question right. I just assume he does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so because I, I don't know. Um,
3: so, yeah, he takes him to the blue spot. He's like, he. oh, he's like totally in his element listening to the jazz. Guy. Uh-huh. I love that.
2: <laughs> and I love and how you know, Rita along. Wilson is kind of. Kind of hitting on him a little bit. Yeah. And they're having a nice... But they end up having just kind of a nice conversation. What is she wearing to work, by the way? Like, my God. She's it's wearing like, like a full-ass
3: like, evening gown with like yeah. gloves to the elbows <laughs> for know, work. She's a, like, she's like, a
2: cocktail waitress in some classy joint, I guess. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, she looks stunning, too. Oh, oh, God, yeah. Oh, th- th- Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
3: Tom Hanks is lucky, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I really like that scene and says yeah and, you know Dell's over there you know he's not good tipper but he's great for cock and bowl or whatever she said uh, and so okay. she introduces him well and like, he's
3: so excited I love he's it
2: when he's th- drunk he's so drunk
3: <laughs> well I love when he's so excited about it and she's like oh I just lost you didn't I yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like Del Faxon's like it's okay but she's cute. I love that she's so sweet about it like immediately
2: mm-hmm. she's like well do you want to meet him yeah I like that too and it is you are my best biggest fan <laughs>
3: you were playing moment. in germany but like i didn't get to see you because you were in munich <laughs> or you were in Hamburg, when i was in munich or something yeah yeah <laughs> he's just so, like such a little nerd like trying to so talk to his had, idol it's so
2: a, guy like had you. been in the military then i take it mm-hmm. that's something i didn't really pick up on until that scene so yep. he's a little older than these other guys it yep. seems like a little bit more life experience, too, I think. I think he'd also probably given up a little bit more. I mean, he's working in his parents' department's uh, appliance store.
3: Oh, yeah, we didn't really talk about the relationship he's... with him and the fa- his family.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, his dad is has... I mean, his dad at first is very like, you know, get your head out of your ass and work for me. That's what you're stuck with. Right. Mm-hmm. But then by, I love Biden. go ahead.
3: Play on your bongo drums. You yeah. know, and he's he lets him go off and like accomplish his dreams. But like he doesn't really think anything is going to come of but, it. He's not very supportive. It, not to his face. He becomes no, supportive. but I love how excited
2: on. he is when he's watching him on TV. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah it's it's I, really sweet it's wonderful I also
3: love um, how chad sort of becomes uh, he starts to work at the appliance store after the the wonders kind of take off and he's left behind because he's got a broken arm and mm-hmm. he kind of becomes a part of guy's family it's cute. <laughs> That's cute that's yeah. kind
2: of cute well giovanni rabisi is always i've always liked him oh yeah <laughs> and, and he's just he's a nice presence uh to he see yeah but you know, I really the then you know just that connection the that conversation he makes with, Del. with with Dell is cool mm-hmm. and always <laughs> have to have a wise a wizened older sage, right? You know, talk to your main character at some point, right? Um, it's like the Edward, and uh, yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit like that, yeah. But it's a nice scene. I mean, it's the meet your heroes and actually have it be a great experience. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, and cool.
3: he kind yeah, he kind of gives them the good advice, and he he gets what's happening to him i think too because this is where he says that the band's only been together for two months and dell says you know well some bands that's that's two months
2: too long yeah <laughs> that's right i mean and this mm-hmm. is a person who's obviously a veteran of all this mm-hmm.
3: and and i like then, the the way the next scene happens too because yeah. guys overslept and it just opens with um mr white calling him and like yelling at him you're gonna be on tv
2: tonight where is your band <laughs> yeah. you know bass and, player ran off to disneyland yeah he's <laughs> TB is off at at Disneyland with the Marines, and then uh, yeah. So I this is uh, the way they set this all up is is cool. You know they have Wolfman come in, and he's kind of a showboat. Oh, I can play your song. You know, yeah. um, this is another cool cameo that comes up here is uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston <laughs> as as Gus Grissom. I thought that was nice. You know, yeah. because obviously the space program was a big deal, and uh, there you have Tom Hanks' love of the space program dropped into this um so i didn't that's, think about that but yeah yeah I'm so sure. it's a nice it's a nice little touch
3: i also thought it kind of shows like how how manufactured this world is because if you're watching them yes. them film that part it's set up like it's an interview with this guy who's like an actual astronaut but, but it's you, you're watching scripted. it's it's completely scripted
2: and gus grissom is barely able to say the lines even you know he's this is just <laughs> oh, not him he does him okay, at he does all. okay. He does okay, but I mean he's 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 sort of wooden and he doesn't because he's not an act. Mm-hmm.
3: I was just kind of connecting it to the whole you know creating boy bands kind yeah, of thing, yeah. pretty much like the the wonders are totally mm-hmm. kind of created. Um, it, just the way that you know the matching suits again and like yep. giving. Giving guy his his shades, like this is gonna be your thing. This is your trademark, you know, because he says, you know, from now on you have them with you at all times.
2: And the way they show them, the way, the way they, they show them on them, the TV special, yeah, real, you know, where they have this big overhead shot that comes in, sort of flies in on guy, and then they have, all right, let's Very introduce cool them set, to the band. The yeah, it's great it's really cool i mean and the thing is it's very it's very ed sullivan looking it's, oh it totally looks like that yeah, yeah it's it really captures the moment and that scene i mean in a lot of ways is like this is their peak they've made it mm-hmm. you know but it's also what leads to
3: they're breaking up They're breaking uh, up uh, yeah it's horrible and
2: <laughs> i love this performance uh, you know they introduce the band as you know um lenny is leo <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i yeah. think is funny and um, like where did
3: that come from that's the first time i've ever heard that well, yeah and, leonard yeah but no one ever calls him leo i know it's, i know it's another like thing.
2: another manufactured
3: element another max manufactured name yep. nickname that they've given him and yeah. the new guy wolfman and then shades, shades. And, and then uh, it comes up with jimmy
2: careful girls he's
3: engaged
2: and he's just He's so over the top mad about that. There should.
3: The different reactions that Faye and Jimmy have to that. That that tells you all you need to know.
2: Yeah. She's like, oh, is is this him popping the question to me? Yeah. That's, I think, what she's saying. And he's immediately pissed, uh,
3: which just, just hurts, you know? And <laughs> I tweeted this uh, the other day while I was watching this, but like the, just watching the people in the audience, like my favorite, one of my favorite extras is the girl who's like losing her mind um, after uh-huh. they're done playing, like clapping and crying. Yeah. But just, sh- that that's, just so said, like, all, that's all that footage you've ever seen of like
2: the, the girls the like, yeah. screaming
3: for the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. It's so or authentic Elvis, to this. Or uh-huh.
2: The Stones or any of these bands. I mean, it's yep. that footage is, yeah, it's so perfect. It so captures it all
3: you see like some of the older people in the audience are just sitting there and like yeah exactly the the girls screaming next to him are just like ah yeah i was like that's perfect that's absolutely perfect for like the story he's trying to tell of like probably what has happened so many times to so many bands yeah when this should be like the pinnacle like they're on tv and like yeah i love the scenes um with guy's family at home so proud of him it's
2: so good Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and, you know, even you know the Pete Best, even Chad, you know, of this movie, Chad. Right? Is mm-hmm. you know the guy who almost was part of the biggest thing. You know, um, Pete Best was the first drummer for the Beatles, who was replaced by oh, Ringo Starr. Oh, really? Star. I don't know. That. I don't know that. Yeah, so that's that. <laughs> that's why I referred to him as Pete Best. But that okay. is that's that story. But um, gosh, this backstage scene though. Yep, it's so sad. You know, Liv Tyler delivering that speech about all the kisses she wasted is... It's so heartbreaking, so powerful, Uh and just so beautifully delivered.
3: And what's the first thing that Jimmy says when Mr. White and then come in? He just goes, it's not true, Mr. White. Like, that's what he's focused on. Not on just, like, what a great performance they had on TV. Mm -hmm. It's saying, like, it's not true. I don't love my girlfriend. It's like when he's wanting to tell everybody. Like, seriously, dude? And Mr. White is confused. And uh, he doesn't get it. And Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Faye's speech, it feels a little... um, um, I don't know. I I love it. It's so it's so like on point for like I think the kind of person that she is. It's almost like she had thought
2: about it ahead <sighs> yeah, of time.
3: Right? You know, because it's so, I it's think so she specific.
2: knew a feeling. She had the feeling ahead of time, you know. And you know, th- that's the way dialogue works in movies and it's not always <laughs> like this is not necessarily like a i would have just would said fuck r- you really react right <laughs> would they really have that eloquent of a statement to make but i think she had the feeling and these thoughts had probably run through her head before she got to this moment
3: and she's talk she's speaking from the heart like this is how she really feels Yeah. <laughs> but that's such a great line you know shame on me for kissing you with my eyes closed so tight yeah not seeing who you really are, you know, obviously is what she's saying. That's such a good line. I love it.
2: Yeah. It's wonderfully done and you know, poor Faye. Anyway. I know, poor Faye, we love you, Faye. <laughs> yeah. You
3: just you get better at the end. We just yeah. you get you get the better guy at the end. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> 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 i'm funny right
2: hilarious okay um
3: <laughs> and then the scene where they actually break up like this is probably I, I like jonathan sheck was saying like this is what people say to him all the time <laughs> how he uh quits the band because mr white you know is trying to get them to do the thing that the the band's gotta do like you have yep. to he, jimmy went throughout the whole movie jimmy has been like you know when do we cut another record he's more concerned with like the other songs you know like that thing you yep. do obviously is it's great but he's like what about you know all my only dreams and um, yeah, I do love. Um, we didn't really talk about the other songs. Um, probably, m- maybe even more than that thing you do, just because it's it's so much. I love the one that Lenny sings,
2: the dance that, with me tonight, dance one. with yeah. me tonight, and mm-hmm. that's a
3: great um, scene that's where they song, they play yeah. where they play the whole song. Uh huh. Too, I love that. Um, but yeah, uh, Mr. White is you know talking about their contract and you know this is what you have
2: to do. You have to do what I'm telling you to do. You're going to record that thing you do in Spanish. You're going. Yep. All those things.
3: And I want something up to, b- I want something snappy. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> it's like so smug the way he delivers it, but it's also like kind of funny when he's like, all right, I I quit. quit. Yeah. <laughs> I quit.
2: <laughs> well, and the thing is, you know, he always says to me even before this is we do my songs or we don't record anything. Yeah. And it's like, no, you do what I tell you to do. Yep. You signed a contract. That's where, you know, having an authority. Uh, or an actor with the authority of someone like tom hanks is needed to deliver that as well you know he's
3: been having fun with them this this whole time you know but now it's getting to be pretty serious like this is you gotta do this you gotta do what i tell you to do
2: it's funny though you know when they do those closing titles they say that jimmy went on to record like four hit records with <laughs> with the playtone label yeah with, with his band the herdsman <laughs> the herdsman yeah
3: after it shows that lenny has gone off and gotten married <laughs> yeah. and I like the little moment between guy and mr white you know we've said it you know before like he's he's talking about you know you're in breach of contract and guys is like guy is very he's like I'm sorry mr white and, um but he knows, he, that's why he's kind of the, I don't know, I like that it's it's him that we follow yeah. for the movie again. Well, there's he's, even that
2: whole thing. It's like, you know, the Wonders are in breach of contract. And then he says, but it happens. You know, he's like, yeah. it's he says, not like it's a I very."
3: Didn't. It's a very common tale. The yeah. one
2: hit Wonders. One hit Wonders. It's like, it's not like I didn't expect this. I mean, come on.
3: Okay, which I know like the Wonders is a fake band, but. Did did he probably do that on purpose, like name them the Wonders? Oh, yeah. Like for this, that very thing. Like they are the one hit Wonders.
2: Yep. My wife, even after we watched the movie, she and my daughter Googled to see if the Wonders were ever a real band. (laughs) Uh, And of course they weren't. But it's so. Because there's just so much authenticity in the way this film there is, is. Portrayed, everything you know.
3: feels like it this really happened you know yeah. and these are all real songs and everything yeah even like yeah. the little the side people like Diane Dane and Freddie Frederickson mm-hmm. Freddie Frederickson they all seem very real to this this time and what was happening That's yeah. why it's so smart yeah
2: I mean and it has it has the nice ending I'll admit you know yeah. where it's like where Faye and and well, Dell
3: Dell shows up. In the recording studio.
2: The, oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's this whole sense that, you know, hey, you could, you're a real musician. You could maybe make it around here as a studio drummer, which I think, I mean, Frankly, that's not a bad gig. I I think
3: I would be very happy doing that. Yeah,
2: If you're really good as a studio drummer, you can get lots of work, especially if you if you're clean and sharp and know your stuff and can play anything. Mm -hmm. And he's just
3: excited about getting to play with different people. You know, Uh like Mm -hmm. that seems like that would totally be like his his jam. You know, (laughs) really, it's like, do you want to jam with us? Like, yeah.
2: I mean, I wish I was good enough to be a studio musician because those guys (laughs) do just fine there's no stardom involved but they are the best musicians in the industry hands yeah. down
3: yeah and then the very sweet little uh, closing stuff with uh, mm-hmm. Faye and Guy yeah i mean I it's
2: it it it's just this side of Sacran you know <laughs> i, I got to admit you know because it's the good side it, the good side yes yeah that's what i mean but it's a it's a sweet ending it is i mean obviously there's this friendship and relationship kind of foundation already having been built through most of the movie but
3: you know (laughs) and then that that line that he has you know it was the last time that you were really good and kissed (laughs) yeah
2: i really like that part actually i (laughs) love that part (laughs) yeah it's so (laughs) it's a very movie ending it's a very movie ending, yeah. But it's it's good. And, and I, she
3: even has it. the line that, you know, people were probably thinking the whole time we were watching this. is like, you know, we should have done that a long time ago. And it's like, yes, you should have.
2: Yeah. She was devoted to Jimmy, though. She really yeah, was. Yeah, but they
3: have their cute little friendship moments with her and Guy yeah. um, mm-hmm. throughout the movie, but you can... It's pretty obvious that they're going to end up together yeah, <laughs> at the yeah, end. It, yeah. it is, it is. <laughs> and you're happy that they do, and it's a perfect ending for it. Yeah. And I like how it ends too, with um, Lamar breaking the fourth wall and just like staring at the screen before it goes to black, <laughs> like <laughs> <It's very laughs> just another strange. like wink and a nod, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, that the whole it, movie it, has been it, really almost.
2: It puts it a bit, a little bit into the time again. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of the 1960s comedy,
3: and that's. That thing you do. I don't know what else to say. Love that movie. Yeah. Always puts a smile it's, on my face. It's one yeah. of my feel-good movies. Never oh, get definitely. sick of it. I've seen it so many times. Never get sick of watching it. Never get sick of like hearing all my favorite lines from
2: everybody and like quoting them back at the movie to no one else. <laughs> but. Yeah, so I watched it with my wife and daughter. I, I assumed my wife had seen it, but she hadn't.
0: What? So oh, this God. was
2: her first time watch and uh, she really enjoyed it. Good. And I enjoyed revisiting it because I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. So moving on to our next feature, our next picture to quote your dad. Major motion picture. Major motion picture. That's right. Uh, so from 2016, uh, John Carney's Sing Street. Yeah. John Carney burst onto the indie circuit uh, with Once a few years before this. I loved Once. And Once is a great movie. And so kind of a semi-musical as well. Once was successful enough that they gave him a big movie uh, called uh, Begin Again with had lots of stars in it and it didn't really work. Uh, It's okay. I've seen it. I like it. All right. But it's 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 not once and it's not Sing Street. <laughs> I think there's something about
3: what is Sing Street, though.
2: Come yeah. On. I mean, I think there's something about John Carney's films and unknown actors that I think works really good. Um, and some of the actors are a little bit unpolished. I think they feel very real. They feel very, uh, there's an authenticity to it all. Especially in Once. Yeah. It's so real. Yeah, yeah, it's very real. It's shot like a documentary almost. (laughs) Very much (laughs) so, so, yeah. And here, uh, it sort of captures a particular time and place, whereas Once is set, you know, modern day or present day, I guess. Uh, This is set in the 80s. There's a lot of playing off of the music of the time. He goes through his Duran Duran phase. Then he goes through his phase with the cure. And then, you know, it's, <laughs> it's really cool. I mean, to see him just sort of finding his voice throughout the course yeah. of the movie. And that's one. Of the I like I really that our like.
3: movies have two different, they're very specific time periods,
2: mm-hmm. but they're very good about capturing those time periods. They really are. So this starts out with Connor, played by uh, Ferdia Walsh-Pilo, um, which who's a newcomer. Newcomer, and I think most of the people in this movie are. There are a few, yeah. there are a couple of na- of of uh, faces I recognized, but not from much. I mean, well, one I would
3: say that aside from that thing you do, which is actually goes along really well with this movie, another like pretty obvious double bill to go along with Sing Street is The Commitments, yes, which is also about a band, you know, getting together in Ireland, mm-hmm. and one of the singers, uh, one of the female singers in that movie is Connor's mom. Yes,
2: also um, she's uh, a really good singer. Glenn Hansard from once is in the commitments as well he's got a smaller part in the. Oh, that that's yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah anyway so it starts out with connor sitting on his bed listening to his parents fight and writing a song to their fight which is uh, sad <laughs> and it's funny and it's kind of all sorts of emotions wrapped up together i think right off the bat yeah it's a running theme throughout the movie too mm-hmm. happy sad Happy sad. And there's really a bittersweetness to this whole movie. There is uh, from beginning to end.
3: Mostly, it's very sweet, and I fucking love this movie to death. But mm-hmm. it's it's definitely one where it's it's so happy, but there's such an undercurrent of sadness throughout the whole thing. Yeah, in different ways, very different ways. Yeah,
2: different expressions of that, mm-hmm. uh, and what that all means. So Connor gets transferred to a new school. Um, Sing Street Mm -hmm. S-Y-N-G-E and he's taught by what the the Catholic brothers the Christian brothers the Christian brothers yeah okay so it came from he was with the Jesuits at a Jesuit school but it was too expensive so he got transferred to this other one
3: yeah because it's also very important that at this time in Dublin they were going through a big um, economic recession in the 80s
2: and that's what it seems to be the parents fights are mostly about it's just the is about money and you know just not being able to afford basics it's a tough time um, financially and you know you see that with every character in yes. this movie experiencing that on some degree, I like this
3: <laughs> at the beginning when they're talking about switching as schools, and they're like, "What's the um, I can't think of the word." The motto for the school mm-hmm. is <laughs> "Virilitur agi and like, what does that mean? <laughs> Brendan's like, "Let's rape our students." <laughs>
2: <laughs> right?
3: No, Brendan, it doesn't. <laughs> I love the way the it
2: father says right. that line. Brendan, Brendan is, is awesome. <laughs> Brendan is to me the as great as Connor is for me. It's the relationship between Brendan and Connor that. Uh, takes this movie to a different level for me. And I think that the fact that the final card of the movie is t- for brothers everywhere yes. shows that that's really the point of this movie, even more than the relationship with Rafina, right? Yeah, I, um, I kind of gravitate towards Rafina for I know, th- reasons, but, but um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I get that. Okay, before, before we get too far into this, okay, I think the tagline for this movie pretty much sums up the plot, okay? Boy meets girl, girl unimpressed boy starts band that's what it comes down to and that is i I love that tagline it kind of lays it all out there in the best possible way okay so his first day at school does not go particularly well he's hassled by brother baxter um who's you know you need to have black shoes and he's like i can't afford black shoes i only have brown ones that does not go over particularly well <laughs> brother Baxter of course is a stickler to the rules to say the least and yep. to sort of certain mores and norms of the period right
3: whereas all the other teachers at the school don't seem to be like he seems no, to be they're the pretty one cool they're
2: pretty chill yeah yeah especially you know the art teacher and then I love the, art <laughs> the 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 latin teacher at the beginning is so funny brother barnabas he's just kind of like he's he's just kind of aloof he doesn't have any seem to have any clue what's going on he's ancient you know
3: french brother barnabas you're teaching french not latin Oh. oh how modern! How modern! <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I love it all, but I mean, it sets up this relationship with uh, Brendan so much right at the beginning, where they're watching uh, Top of the Pops, right? Mm-hmm. And the video for Duran Duran's Rio comes on. It's like, and he has this whole line. Uh, I can't remember what the whole speeches like it's the jury's still out on where it's going to go with these guys but there's no doubt that John Taylor is one of the most efficient bass players working in (laughs) <laughs> Muse in London today, you know, yep. and that line's important because it comes back. And I love what he says about, it, because his dad is sort of like, you know, this is, they're not even performing live. I mean, what's the point of this? He says, it's short, it's to the point, it lasts forever. What tyranny can stand up to that? And then he
3: call it like, because uh, music videos were new.
2: Yeah. At this time. He calls them an art form. It's an art form. Yeah. Which is not the way they were seen at the time.
3: It's the, as they say, like the perfect combination of uh, music and visuals, Mm -hmm. like he says. And it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. And you know,
2: they weren't considered an art form at the time, you know, like any Mm -hmm. new art form, you know, whether it be movies or I don't know, rap or rock and roll or whatever, they are considered not to be art forms when they first start. That's just the way It goes, right? Video games, comic books, whatever. Mm -hmm. I find that to be just sort of a a nice moment where you can see kind of how smart and forward thinking Brendan is, Uh, even though he's could be played as just sort of a slacker loser. But he's not mm-hmm. really. He's not. I never saw him that way. He in a in a inferior movie, he would just be the stoner brother who is It's
3: like spouting off wisdom, you know, like well, he's like smoking dope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, he kinda he does. does. It'd be but... a little
2: bit like uh how um in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, how the younger brother is portrayed at the beginning, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It'd be a little bit more like that. I mean obviously yeah, that probably. character has an arc and goes somewhere. But Brendan is yeah. <sighs> I'm always empathetic with Brendan really from the beginning. He mm-hmm. always has a way of making Connor feel better.
3: Yeah. And you can see it on Connor's face in this first scene too, the way he's listening to him mm-hmm. and the way he's watching the video and like really like he's soaking it all in. Yeah. So like the, the whole band thing, like him starting the band later on, it doesn't feel completely out of place. No. You know, because we see him, we saw him at the the beginning, like playing guitar. It's not
2: particularly good, but he (laughs) he, uh, he's toying around with it. His brother has been a musician and loves all kinds of music and I think Connor loves yeah. all kinds of music too because of Brendan
3: yeah he's obviously very influenced by him yeah I like the scene too with the because the, the whole family kind of gets involved and it's in like when there's so much like family strife like underneath you know like I said the, the, the undercurrent of sadness is the family but this is a nice one where they kind of all get involved you know just a little mm-hmm. bit when you know Anne asks like uh, who's the bass player and uh, I like the uh-huh. When um the mom says something about like how somebody's cute or
2: whatever and the father's right. like, well, You can
3: have him and she goes, Promise. And it's a <laughs> yeah. cute it's a cute little moment between the two of them.
2: It's nice to see that they're not just constantly one note right. fighting all the time. You know, that's not what's going on. There are ups and downs, just like in life. Now the next day at school, um well the first day is also like, when he meets Barry. Barry, yeah. For the first time on the uh, first no. day. Isn't that where Barry tries? Threatens him with the slingshot.
3: Yeah, and he's just like obviously the the school bully you know he's got the mm-hmm. crew cut and a big poofy jacket and make him look cool you know <laughs> i love
2: and, that he obviously cuts his own hair because <laughs> really? the, his hair is like really really uneven and stuff I it's notice. so funny <laughs> probably oh, and-
3: <laughs> barry is kind of like one of my favorite characters in a way too because i love yeah i love his arc and like what he represents
2: is very mm-hmm. important to the movie oh i agree yeah um well i think we'll get to that more a little bit with like the video shoot for uh riddle of the model and then yeah yeah, Towards totally. the end, there, yeah,
3: but you don't really. You, he's obviously established as the bully, but you don't really hate him quite yet. Like he's a, he's kind of funny about it in a yeah, way.
2: He is. He's less of a bully than than brother Baxter.
3: Yes. Oh God. Yeah. You know. <laughs>
2: And then when you find out a little bit more about him, you get peeks into what, why he is this way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sort of uh, you have to fight or to survive kind of situation.
3: Even though he like, he hits Connor in this, yeah. uh, this day at school, at the, in the canteen. What the is the canteen. It? Not the restaurant. In <laughs> the
2: canteen. Not the restaurant. Yeah. He sort of instantly, it's like, oh, you're a snob. You called yeah. it the restaurant, you know. Then he meets Darren right at the beginning who gives him his card <laughs> <It's> written on <out laughs> a piece of cardboard <laughs> oh, I love that and Brother um, Baxter
3: has made him take his shoes off. The yeah, whole makes day. him walk God. around
2: without his shoes on all day Ugh. because they're brown. And he can't afford black shoes because they're in the middle of a recession. His exactly. family does not have the money. Then he sees an angel across the street,
3: though. <laughs> yes, he does.
2: Now, Rafina is standing on the stoop of a building, an unlit cigarette hanging out of her mouth,
3: hands in her jeans pocket. Yeah.
2: Looking just her.
3: absolutely cool. And hot.
2: Hey, you need a light? No, I'm trying to quit. It's it's just a great exchange. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a meet cute, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> well,
3: because she's introduced by Darren as somebody who doesn't talk to, you know, she lives across the street from this boys school, but she doesn't talk to any of the boys, you know. Yeah. And I love Connor's just kind of like, oh, really? Well, then why is she standing over there? Because she wants people there. Pro- yeah. Like, he's just got the confidence to go up yeah. and be like, I can get her number. And he does.
2: He does. I think it's funny because he says, oh, I'm in a band. I I've <laughs> promised I wasn't going to do the Irish brogue, but I probably <laughs> will. It'll probably sneak in every now and then. The first time you see this is maybe not the worst idea to watch this with the subtitles if you don't have an ear for yeah. the accents um, because they're strong uh, throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very authentic and I love the <laughs> It's like, you're in a band? Prove it. And he sings the most out of key version of Take On Me by AHA that you could possibly hear. (laughs) But she's like, this kid's got guts.
3: Because he's doing something that probably a ton of other guys have tried with her. And she's just, I think she's impressed with the way he does it. You know, he doesn't like try a line on her or anything, but she does call him out when he... Says he's in a band Which I like But she's yeah. still But she's still impressed Yeah that He's got the balls To go up and talk to her Like that I love it
2: It's very much A prove it moment yeah. Which I like Yeah And then As he w- gets After he gets the number He walks back over His first line to Darren We need to form a band
3: I love the look on his face After he says that <laughs> He kind of goes yeah. And Darren's yeah. like What? We
2: have well to start it's a funny band? Because of course Darren knows a few people uh-huh. Uh huh He knows Ammon Amen. Which is Eamon, Amen. Sorry, Amon. Who this this little montage? Eamon can play every instrument no to mankind, can't you, Eamon? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eamon's dad is in a cover band. Yeah, Amon's so. dad's in a cover band, so they have a whole setup. They've got uh, keyboard and drums and uh, other and guitar set up in the house. Uh, I love this whole thing where he starts out, he's played the guitar, he plays the drums, he plays the <laughs> keyboard a little bit. And then he starts pl- pulling out things like like a xylophone, uh-huh. like a like a little orf instrument kind of xylophone. And then like a piccolo and, um, or a flute. <laughs> uh, yeah, a flute thing. I mean, it's so funny. It just and kinda bagpipes. goes on and on. <laughs> yeah, the bagpipes. <laughs> then they go off and it's like, you know, they meet the, well they, they want... Go ahead.
3: Well still in this scene too. Um, I love his I love his mom. <laughs> his mom's great. His mom is great. When they're having their first little meeting, she's so supportive. Obviously she probably had to deal with it before with her husband. She's rolling her
2: eyes a little bit though. Being in a band, you know. She's she, been through. Yeah, this. she's yeah. been
3: through this before. And but she's so supportive and she's like when they're talking about like when they can practice and she's like, That's fine, but you know, but you have a job on the weekends and everything, it's like I love her. But there's also yeah. he also has a line that brings about like the undercurrent of sadness that's going that's happening with all of the characters in this movie when um, he said, Damon says that, you know, we can practice here in my living room. Cause my, my dad's St. John of the gods or whatever. And it, it's uh-huh. kind of a little funny thing that the way he says it when um, Darren's like, is that a pub? And Eamon says, no, it's a place where alcoholics go to get off the drink, stop beating up their yeah. wives and kids and neighbors. Yep. And so it's, that's kind of like, said in a funny way but you're like damn okay like sure. everybody's it's, got something going on
2: yeah very much so
3: family strife is seems to be a pretty common way of life probably it's at yeah. this time probably with the recession going on and for this community
2: yeah for sure next they meet ingi uh, yeah. who is the one you know, black kid in town, <laughs> pretty <laughs> much it seems like. They go and knock on their doors. Like his mom answers the door and says and they ask him, Is Ingi here? And he says, No, he's four doors down. It's like, what are you talking about? Of course he lives here. <laughs> oh, Very much a joke on tokenism, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is it is a it is a joke on tokenism, but they want Ingi in the band Because he's black. Yes. At first. But (laughs) then. (laughs) How does
3: Darren say, he's like, there's a black kid in 3B. It'd be cool to have him in the band. And you're just watching it like, oh my God. But you, yeah, Yeah. you
2: definitely get the joke. But the thing is, I mean, Ingi becomes such a key element of the band. Mm, I I like him a lot. his, His experimentation on the keyboards and stuff is key to the sound of of Riddle of the Model, for example. He just kind of gets it. You know, they ask him, do you play any instruments? And he says, maybe. Maybe. You know, (laughs) I I think that is funny because, I mean, okay, you think about bands that were coming out uh, in the early 80s, you know, like Duran Duran, but even more so some like U2. You know, U2 is a good example because they came out of Ireland, right? Mm -hmm. None of them really knew how to play. So what they were doing was coming up. I mean, like the Edge, the guitar player of U2, what he was doing was experimenting with sound effects, guitar effects delays and echo effects and different things like that the fact that he wasn't you know like a masterful player in the traditional sense is what gave you to their sound it made them unique and that's sort of something a little bit that this movie is playing on Mm -hmm. and um you know brendan even brings it up it's like he says you need to learn how not to play and that takes practice and that that i think is such a key element of the most innovative music of the 1980s You don't want to sound like everybody else You want to sound like something different And make a unique sound So bands like The Cure um, The Sex Pistols didn't know how to play, clearly But, uh, (laughs) you know um, yeah, really. or even the ramones you know different different bands like that i mean they they were nirvana is a more recent example i mean you know and then the beatles would go off and they would travel all around they didn't know what they weren't supposed to do and that's what made them interesting musically mm-hmm. that's the whole point of this long tirade <laughs> <laughs> but i think that that makes it interesting and so they're sitting there they're recording the They kind of get the band together. They get uh, Larry and Gary on bass and drums. The thing is, Larry and Gary can actually kind of play. Yeah. I love Gary. Yeah. Gary's the bass player. Gary's the bass player. And Larry, the drummer, is actually, you know, he sounds fairly decent.
3: Another great conversation in this movie about what the name of the band should be <laughs> is when they're meeting in their little, Eamon's little shack or shed or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they're having the conversation. There's like So many like cute little funny moments when Connor mentions something in, in French, like what about La Vie. And Darren's like, um, how do you say in French? Like, that's not going to be the name of the band. And Connor answers in French. Right. <laughs> I love that. That's a good moment. <laughs> What's yeah. the
2: deal with you and rabbits, man? I don't know. I just love them. <laughs> like well, my favorite. Just like in that, yeah, I know. Just like in that thing you do, um, there's the sequence of you got to come up with a cool yeah. name for your band. <laughs> you know? What about Sing Street? An important part of forming any band. How about Sing Street? Of course, perfect name. It is for their little group, right? Now they're recording that cover of Rio, and it's just lackluster and they're, you know there's not okay. really anything happening, <laughs> but they're trying to copy another sound mm-hmm. and Brendan knows that, and I love when he just takes the tape out of the recorder and just like pulls it out and he stomps uh. on it, says, "You want to have actual sexual intercourse, right <laughs> <laughs> this
3: really, Well this is the this uh, is where the little insert shot of Amon's mom <laughs> comes into. <laughs> Oh yeah, when they're, that's right. they're playing rio in the living room and you just see her put batteries in her vibrator and vibrator <laughs> slam the door shut. slam the
2: door <laughs> love yeah. it and it's it's momentary it's not really i mean there's nothing that p- pushes the plot forward about that it's just a moment of character <laughs> yeah. and it's perfect yeah this movie is full of moments it. like that well and then this is where brendan lays it out and mm-hmm. there's and he says, you know, rock and roll is a risk. You risk being ridiculed. So you got to learn how not to play. Uh, and that takes practice, yep. <laughs> which I think is just.
3: It sounds like the opposite of vice, but it sounds it's very true.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I could drop clips from this movie in here, it would be this one where he's given this whole tirade mm-hmm. about you know, what they need to do to become great, right?
3: Also, very sweet one. And he's like, it's all about the girl, right? And it <laughs> is. You're going to use someone else's art to get her?
2: Yeah, huh This is the whole reason. he said He's like, okay, so you need to write your own music is what it comes down to. So as it turns out, he and Eamon make a terrific writing duo.
3: Those are some of my favorite moments in the movie uh-huh. when Connor goes over to see Eamon. Like, you he want to help me write a song, and Eamon is always like, "Yes, yes, I do." Yes. <laughs> always, I love it. Those are, I love that. That's such a great little like, connection that the two of them have. Yeah, that they're writing. Yeah, partners. and there's
2: and you know, the music comes from okay, so Connor's got the words to riddle of the model. Mm-hmm. It's Eamon who comes up with this sort of interesting chord progression, yep. this weird, odd chord progression that fits with this. says so it the has time. a little yeah, it has a little bit of a of a Duran Duran feel to mm-hmm. it without being Duran Duran. And that's part of the cool thing about this, this evolution. You know, he goes through all these musical interests. Yeah. And his look evolves with yep. it, His uh, the sound that they create. But it's all in, in service of finding their voice as a band. By the time we actually hear them for real, you know, at the end of the movie, it's when they do their gig, you can really see them having become who they are, you know. And I, I really like that.
3: Mm-hmm. I like this conversation that they have about rafina too Uh in this scene um because uh asking what one of the lines means to him and connor says you know it's like when you don't know someone they're more interesting and they can be anything you want them to be and it cuts straight to a shot of rafina in the middle of that too it's like but when you when you know them there's limits to them and Eamon is immediately like no that doesn't make any sense and i love that (laughs) because i i definitely agree with Eamon.
2: uh-huh yeah i think um The Riddle of the Model is one of those songs. It's a cool song, but it's kind of an immature song, Uh you know? Because
3: it's about seeing a girl and like, she's so perfect, but I don't really want to get to know her or something. Yeah, (laughs) Anyway, and like, yeah, what he says about Rafina is like, people are not more interesting. Like the less you know about them, they're more interesting Mm. the more you know about them. The more depth that they have to them, that's when you really know somebody. And
2: that becomes true and reflective in the music that they write Mm -hmm. as well. As I it know. goes along, yep. uh, the more he gets to know Rafina, and the more it just sort of deepens everything. Not only their friendship, ultimately their relationship, or whatever exactly it is, we don't really see it completely expressed, honestly, until mm-hmm. l- right at the end. And he he begins this ritual of bringing Rafina the demo tapes mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a nice thing it's a cool thing and it's like it's about him mo- it's oh it's not about you <laughs> it's about another model i know
3: he does that so many times throughout the movie yeah. where he's trying to play it cool with her and i you can just tell she, you can tell she doesn't believe a word of it she's like no. he's just trying to well, get to
2: she's, me she's she's older but she's like a year older yeah. right it's not it's like not 16. significant yeah she's 16 he's 15 which you know in a weird is and when you're that young is almost feels like a huge age gap it's weird but it's <laughs> know, true yeah.
3: you know i think she's also more mature and
2: just the maturity of girls to boys at that age too <laughs> yeah. i think is another thing and she's been through more she's been through much more than he has yeah. so experience wise it is also she's just more just kind of beat up by the world but also yeah. more wise and world weary but he invites her to the their video shoot. And this first video shoot of the, of the riddle of the model is so funny. I
3: love this scene.
2: Yeah, it's so much fun. It's like. What's gay about the village people? <laughs> is the, the, yeah, that's right. Because is it the bass player? Is it Gary that's dressed up like the cowboy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, okay so uh, rafina shows up and it's like how did he ask her how did you like the song he says oh i really liked it it's the only reason i'm here mm-hmm. do you believe her
3: uh, sort of i think yeah, it's i, I think it's a too. big part of it she knows that it's about her for one thing yeah and so she's like I- i'm i want to see what this kid's about maybe is what it what it is
2: yeah she doesn't particularly have any kind of feeling toward him, I don't no. think, at this point. I think it's just like he's got some talent, yeah. though. And I, I think it might be fun. Hey, it'd be fun to help him out yeah. a little bit. You know, she brings her makeup kit, they get the <laughs> makeup on, and and <laughs> one of them's like, I'm not wearing makeup. I can't remember who it was. Gary. And he's the one dressed as a cowboy. <laughs> so. Connor's.
3: Kinda, I love Connor's outfit, though.
2: It, oh, yeah. Sort of the, like the velvet coat and stuff. Yeah. The little white uh, shirt. Yeah. With like the cravat on it. It, it kind of yeah. looks like Is the puffy called? shirt from Seinfeld. And <laughs> uh, then Barry... You know, you see that interaction. Is it, I don't know, it's his father or his older brother? His, I think
3: that's supposed to be his dad.
2: Okay. Even though he looks so but,
3: young, I wasn't sure. But you know, there there's never really any mention of him having a brother. It's just about his parents. So I, mean, I was assuming that it was yeah. his dad.
2: Yeah. I mean, and he just sort of is smacked around by his father. And then, you know, Barry's reaction is to like, kick the box or whatever that's on the ground there.
3: Another um, like really easy way. Like this is what you need to know about this character right here. It's that cycle of violence. Mm -hmm. Like he's a he's a bully because he's projecting
2: what he experiences onto someone else. Yeah, and this is a movie about being trapped in cycles, Mm -hmm. cycles of bullying, cycles of abuse, cycles of you know just being sort of trapped in your own the the cycle. Uh, Connor, it's you know what his family is stuck in. You know, being stuck in the same place his brother is. uh, There's a line and drive it like you stole it about that. Yep. So I I think that, and of course, Rafina um, is in a cycle of her own. So anyway, they show this whole video. I love that they sort of show you the the final version. It's very 80s. It's got, you know, the different you know sort of silly filters and stuff yeah. and i like the um, filming
3: of it though too when they keep like knocking
2: so stuff over <laughs> yeah and then it you know it ends on gary with the vampire teeth it's just so funniest. yeah
3: movie. just to add that in there you know he insisted on having that <laughs> added in
2: yeah Yeah, well, then he gives, I I love how he gives Rafina a ride home on his bike, (laughs) you know? It's
3: like, oh, I didn't know you had a car. (laughs) Cut (laughs) to her on the back of his bike.
2: (laughs) And then she gets picked up by her boyfriend.
3: Okay, I love Rafina. I love her. I don't know what it is. I keep, I kept telling you about this. Like, I love her voice. I don't know what it is about her voice. There's something Mm -hmm. about the pitch of it or whatever. It's so, it's it's so angelic and sweet. It really is.
2: She's compared to an angel several times. Yeah and i think that's a good lo- a good phrase for describing what she sounds like i uh, um,
3: just love listening sure. to her <laughs> yeah i'm always enamored by actors with uh, unique voices you know for some reason mm-hmm. and like she definitely has one to me she's she's very it's very like calming and soothing to listen
2: to her in a way it is yeah yeah i would agree but yeah so this is where her boyfriend the, the shows boyfriend up. listening to genesis, genesis uh, which is the next line is great. But um, she w- this is also the moment he sees that the place where she hangs out and lives is actually the Kerwin home for girls. Mm-hmm. So she's an orphan. And that's the first time that's shown. Uh, so then it g- kind of goes into this whole montage of writing their next song. I love the way this is done. Um,
3: oh brendan has a um um, um, go ahead just um when connor is telling him about her boyfriend what is his name i can't remember i can't remember who cares brendan has a little bit of moment that i like um, when he because he connor says that he's older and Mm -hmm. brendan has a little moment where he's like uh what's he doing
2: hang out with a kid yeah because he's a manipulator he's an abuser as we find out
3: he's got a very like a protective vibe to him it seems like and there's another isn't this where they're yeah this is where um they're in his his room and they can hear his their parents arguing again yeah like just a constant yep. thing they're just like uh i think she's having an affair too he says, yeah Brendan says oh, about right. his mom.
2: uh-huh yeah but i love how it goes into the next the writing of the next song <laughs> he goes to see him What are you doing? Yeah, he goes... Rabbit stuff? Just rabbit stuff? (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Just rabbit stuff. What does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Well, I love how they're sitting... Okay, so there's this... It's a great continuous shot because they have... At first, I was like, how did they do this? And then... Because they show uh, Eamon sitting at the piano, right, and then they have Connor singing the song, which is "Up," which is such a great song. I love that song. It's one of the best songs in the movie, and, th- and a movie filled with great songs. And it just goes in this continuous shot, and it pulls around, and they're showing Gary playing it on the bass, mm-hmm. and then they pull around further. You got the you got the keyboards. You got Inge on the keyboards. You got the drums, and then it keeps going. And oh, there's Eamon playing guitar, and then it swings around farther, and there's connor so obviously what they had to do was do this all so they run from the other room they're changing their clothes get everything ready and so when the camera gets to them they're in this new old-fashioned old-school shot shot kind of thing but it's just like it's so effective at first i was like how'd they do that there's no cut it's like oh duh (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's it's great and i love that whole that whole montage and this is where you have, you know, like Eamon's mom coming in, dancing to yeah, the song. Giving them, bringing him drinks you know, and dancing just, them along. Yeah. Bringing him drinks and food and stuff like that. It's just this wonderful moment. And there's another, It's it's like this, for me, this is like the scene in Once where they first do Falling Slowly where it just kind of comes together where they, they're um, at the piano together the mu- at the music yeah, store. They're at the piano. Yeah. Yeah. In the music store. I mean, that's obviously a very different song. I mean, that's a much quieter song, but, but just that, musicians gelling with each other.
3: And they sound really good. They sound really good. They're getting much better.
2: Yeah. They're tightening up and it's a more unique sound. It's more them than Riddle of the Model is. Mm -hmm. And boy, that song is so good. Yeah. Really good song. And the thing is, Rafina, they show Rafina listening to the demo Mm -hmm. and you can just see it on her face. She knows it's about her. Yeah. And she's okay with it at this point. Mm -hmm. I think she's like, yeah, this, this is really nice. You know, to have someone really that interested that they want to write a song for me.
3: This shot of her during this song, though, kind of kills me because she's sitting at her vanity, like taking her makeup off. Yes. And she takes off her her lipstick and she's like kind of crying and smiling at the same time, like listening Mm -hmm. to the song. She just kills me. I think she sees a lot of she sees a lot of hope in Connor. I think there's
2: your... yeah, I think there's your first hint that her boyfriend is not so great compared to this other kid here. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this
3: this movie is all about basically it's all about a, a boy trying to win a girl's heart. Yeah, but at the same time, it you have the girl who's also being inspired by the boy at the same time. Yes, and finding mm-hmm. hope, you know, in life in him, which yeah. I love.
2: This is also where we start seeing things like Connor taking little elements from the world and his experience and putting them into songs because the art teacher sees him, he you always know, he's drawing one of the things, mm-hmm. uh, one of their assignments. And she says, oh, all the complicated boys and girls.
3: I didn't catch that until like the second time yeah. around. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. He does that several times throughout the movie. He like... does it several
2: times. Yep. Because Brendan says, drive it like you stole mm-hmm. it, I believe. and, and you know, This is he when just...
3: he shows up with the frosted tips at school too. I yes. love that. <laughs>
2: yeah. And, you know, this, this scene is tough because, yes. you know, he gets pulled out of class by brother Baxter, who... Forces him to sit down and says, you know, because he's wearing makeup, he's worn makeup to school, you know, it's sort of a glam rock look. Mm-hmm. He says, well, I looked through the student handbook and there was nothing in there about hair or, uh, or makeup. And Brother Baxter's like, go, go wash it off. You can use my bathroom and he just leaves and he's like no I'm not going to do that and b- then Baxter comes over and you know grabs him by the neck and forces his face into the sink and scrubs it off like
3: violently so- assaults this kid violently
2: yeah i mean uh
3: Did you get, okay, I may be reaching here. Was there like a little bit of a creepy thing when he goes into his bathroom and he says, you can come in here and wash it off? That's when Connor leaves? Because there's something that Connor says later on that kind of confuses me and wonders if there's, I don't know.
2: I didn't pick up on that. It doesn't mean it's not there though. It goes to show that he, you know, Brother Baxter is in fact the real bully of this school. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not Barry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, Definitely. Barry, Barry's just kind of a symptom of his environment, whereas Brother Baxter is kind of like the disease. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, that, if, if there's a way to put it in a crude form. Definitely. One of the things that I thought was really interesting uh, in the scene where Rafina meets him after school and they walk around the park area. There's sort of it's all scored by this soft piano, it, almost unrecognizable uh rendition of take on me by aha it? Is. <laughs> yeah um that. yeah and and i was like oh wait a minute that's that is it mm-hmm. and I, I listened really carefully to, to make sure i was right about that but it's definitely that because i mean that's their first musical connection was that yeah. song i mean as poorly as he performed it mm-hmm. right but i think that it's a nice touch that sort of puts it in the era but also gives it an era that is separate from it too because it's so different from the original version
3: this is where she gives him the nickname cosmo
2: (laughs) cosmo which is very cute yeah
3: and where she brings up the whole happy sad thing
2: yeah your problem is you're not happy being sad Mm -hmm. and that's what love is happy sad now it's interesting that Brendan knows exactly what that means yeah. and what the first thing he pulls out is a Cure album. It's like <laughs> there. That's happy sad. Yeah. And it's like yeah, that's happy sad. That's exactly
3: it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he says it that sh- she means you need to reach a point in your life where you're okay with your sadness. That's very monastic of her. She's like a monk. That's what
2: he says. She's like a monk. I like <laughs> that too. Yeah. There's, you could practically analyze this movie minute for I minute. I
3: know. That's kind um, of what I want to do. And
2: we can't really do that because, you know, <laughs> our time frame. But
3: And I, I do love this as a thing with Brendan. Um, As we learn later on, he had dreams of his own.
2: Yes that's my other favorite scene in the movie (laughs)
3: that he kind of failed at but here in this scene too is when they're talking about like voc like he says he's talking about vocations like anything can be a vocation
2: vocation
3: and he says something to their sister that I really like because she wants to be an architect and she's saying like I never wanted to be an artist Brendan and he says like we couldn't get the you know paintbrush out of your hand when you're a kid he's very in tune with with what other people's dreams are and he's very supportive of other people's dreams you know when he wasn't able
2: to to achieve his own when we get to that scene i mean i'm probably gonna quote most of his dialogue there because that is just you know when he shares all of that um now i don't know the context i can't remember the context here but the next line i wrote down is where he says connor just says so determined i'm gonna go make some art i just love that moment
3: yeah and brendan also has a line too about rafina yeah when yeah he kind of kind of uh Offhandedly says, you know, when they're talking about her dating an older guy, that she has daddy issues.
2: Yeah. What I do like, though, this is this making art thing, this collaboration of this group is so cool i mean you see it on the train ride I love that. Um, <laughs> you know i love you know gary he's so funny every time you know, <laughs> I love he's like gary. he's, he's like dancing stans- with the older lady he's dancing yeah. yeah i love all of that it's so wonderful and then you know he's laying out his vision for the video you know it's like and she jumps into the water and he doesn't he goes back and looks for her and she says and rafina says she's a mermaid It's like, oh, that's so much better than what I was thinking. I know. I love that. (laughs) She says, I know. (laughs) That's wonderful. It's wonderful. Because, I mean, it's because he thinks it's he's thinking something really dark, probably, you know, a suicide or something. And it's like, no, she's a mermaid.
3: She wants to go back and be with her friends where she belongs. Yeah. Yeah, and she's like talking about herself. I think
2: exactly. Yeah. I think that's that's right. Now, when they're shooting it, it's so great. This is where you have the gif of them clapping, and uh, <laughs> now and then Rafina just goes and jumps in. To I mean, it's the ocean. Wait, I can't. St- I can't swim. It's like
1: <laughs> keep really, filming. Can't I can't swim. swim.
2: <laughs> Why did you do that for our art, Cosmo? You can't do anything by half. I love that. Most of this conversation is going to be. I love that. <laughs> Because I, I think, do love you know, every moment of this. You know, it's it's so... Um, well,
3: there was um, a scene right before this, though, that I really liked. Because they had brought up the whole, like, happy-sad thing. And Uh this is when Connor was looking like the cure now. And he's talking, they're doing like a walk and talk with the other bandmates and they're like, what the hell is happy sad? Like, what are you talking about? And this is where Connor kind of has a moment where he gets really serious. Yeah. This is the kind of, this is the line that confuses me a little bit. Like I said, he gets a little serious for a second and he says, it means like I'm stuck in this shithole. With morons, rapists, and bullies. And I'm going to deal with it. It's just how life is. Right. And I'm going to try to accept it and get on with it and make some art. That's where the make some art yeah. comes from. And so that's what make, kind of makes me wonder, like, why those three specific things? Why those three specific talk things, about? yeah. Well, I mean, the bully is obviously Barry or Brother Baxter. Right. Or Brother Baxter is all of them.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, also there's, unfortunately, it's become known to be true that, you know, priests and... The, mm-hmm. the abuse of priests and things like that. Uh, I think that could be, he could be referring to it in a broader sense, like mm-hmm. that, too.
3: But that, that's kind of what the movie is about, too. Not just like, now there's the thing with brothers and, uh, the, mm-hmm. you know, boy meets girl, but it's also, there's all this shit happening around us, all this bad shit going on all the time, and we just need to, to make some art as a way to deal with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good message I to have. think there's a, there's a sense that, you know, art holds back the darkness. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe that yeah. imagine living in a world without it. It's it's a dark place. Yeah. So the idea of art holding back the darkness is a powerful theme of this movie. Yes. And I think it's one of the reasons why I love it and am affected by it as much as I am.
3: I am too. Um, yeah. I said before, I think in another episode that like I don't maybe I don't have the same kind of connection to music that you do or that other people do, but when it's done in a way like this, I really do. I really yeah. get like everything that the all the characters are going through, and then the way that the, he expresses all of the different emotions you see in the movie, like through the song, through the different songs, even in ones where you yeah. don't expect it, especially like the most. Upbeat, fun one, drive it like you stole it, is yeah, got some real truths about like a lot of the characters in it. I think, mm-hmm. it does. and that's when it really it touches you and hits you when art can do that. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted that scene. Yeah, well, I interrupted that scene after well, after she says, um, that, uh, I d- yeah, I do love that line like for art, Cosmo, like you can never do anything by half. Do you understand that? And she's like yeah. so insistent about it, like she, she really gets uh, it. And then, and then he kisses her.
2: This is kisses her now. This is where. And he's he's like, should I have not done that? And, no, but he immediately
3: her- asks about <laughs> her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, you ruined it. Yeah, Yo, you ruined it.
2: <sighs> her initial reaction is kind of what took you so long. Yeah, <laughs> which is cute.
3: Yeah, but their conversation after this is
2: really dark. Yes, because uh, she and it's and the thing is, it doesn't really. It's all implied. She doesn't come right out and say it. Um, but the line where she says, "My mother was much better looking." I don't know why he bothered with me. That's
3: such a that's such a dark it's, way to put it,
2: too. Yeah, it really is. And the first yeah. time I
3: watched this movie, I was like, oh, "Wait a minute, what the fuck did she say?" Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. <I know. laughs> Dang. In the in the midst of such a joyous film, yeah. and to have something that dark. I mean, it really makes the film more than meets the eye. You mm-hmm. know. Um, initial reactions like, oh, hey, falling in love and making a band and fun yay. music, yeah, music, you know, happy music, happy, sad, even. But that's really, like I said, I think it elevates the film to something more simply because it's willing to go there mm-hmm. and it's willing to say, you know, a lot of us are just barely holding on here.
3: And another. Character who's going through a lot more than they let on on the surface.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess I mean you see that with Barry. You see yep. that with with of course Rafina with Connor, even Connor, Connor himself, yeah. and certainly you know I think Brendan Amon Amon. Yeah,
3: they're all they all have mm-hmm. something going on like that.
2: They do. I mean because it seems like most of most of the band mates here are kind of dealing with single parent households at the moment uh you get the impression at least
3: wait right after this is um when brendan and connor are watching their mom on the stairs outside oh another one of my favorite scenes that's such a sweet moment um you know when in a movie where the parents are very much a part of the story even though they're not in it a whole lot and this little moment where uh, brendan and connor on the stairs Inside, and their mom is sitting outside, like you know having a cigarette and smoking uh smoking a cigarette and having a glass of wine instead of the opposite and brennan uh it's just a very intuitive um observation of her as a person, you know, like she gets home you know just so she can catch that that last bit of sun you know before it goes away for the night and Brennan mm-hmm. says, like I often wonder you know what she's thinking about, and when he kind of has a little bit of resentment for her later, I think for having the oh, affair yeah. but mm-hmm. in this moment like you know he sees how sad she is and it's a good yeah it's a good moment for them and he kind of think it kind of mirrors a, a later scene with brendan himself too when connor comes home and brendan is sitting outside Yeah, i think he's doing mm-hmm. the same thing that the the mother was doing
2: yeah i like that moment okay where he does stand up where connor does stand up to barry yeah is a great moment though he's no longer intimidated by him he sees through him, and he says, "You know, maybe you don't exist, and you're living in my world. You're only material for my songs." Yep. And he says, y- "You only have the power to stop things, but not to create." Ooh.
3: Damn. Yeah.
2: Burn. And it puts him in his place. So, I'm I'm a little bit out of sync here. Is this where they're talking about exams and things like that? And
3: yeah, then um, they see the flyer for the where they're gonna play a set.
2: Yeah. They're they're all at least still trying to be decent (laughs) students, but I love that whole thing where Barry just, he looks at the questions and he just crumples it up. Throws it down, <laughs> gives the finger, and puts his head down on his desk. Yeah. Um,
3: there's a good moment with the the siblings too. I think it's in this. Yeah, when yeah, they're when they're at home, is, mm-hmm. and they hear
2: the fight start and they go into Brendan's room. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I love that scene. I love that the whole time that they're um,
3: they're dancing around and singing the whole time yeah. underneath you can hear the parents arguing. You
2: can hear the you can hear the arguing going on yep. and. Um, you know, Maneater yes. is sort of like the perfect song for that moment. It's very <laughs> funny. Um, but it's also sad, happy sad again, because, yep. I mean, you do have that underlying uh, fight going on. It's just drowning out for the moment, the inevitable.
3: Yeah. I like how they all, like, it starts out where they're they're all, like, listening to them argue. And it's like they all kind of retreat, you know, together yep. into his room. I, it's a good moment. They, I like that they don't leave Anne out, you know? Yeah,
1: I know, I know. <laughs>
3: So sometimes she feels like kind of tertiary, but they they include
2: her in certain important scenes like this. Yeah, I think she's a good character to have. She's sort of I mean, she represents the pull in the other direction towards just focusing on the studies, Mm -hmm. just going with the flow and doing what you're, quote unquote, supposed to do. And then Brendan is the one who's given up entirely, you know. And so Connor Is at the crossroads there. He can go one way, the other, or he can choose his own path.
3: Yeah. And this is where you can hear Brendan say, "Now this is life, Connor.
2: Drive it like you stole it. Yep. That's right. Do you want to go on an adventure?
3: Doesn't say a word. Just walks right out. (laughs) I love it. I
2: love that. And they head out onto the boat um, and they go out to that little island. And he tells her about the song that he's working on. Uh, And the video that's going to go with it. So the first line is, you just can't stand the way that I walked out from the wreckage.
3: Which he says is about family.
2: Yeah, it was about family. He says, you just can't stand the way that I turned my life around. And he says, that line's about you. And she's like, how? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that is interesting because you wrote me a text the other day and asked who is drive it like you stole it about? Yeah. Well, it's about Rafina. It's about Connor. It's about uh, it's about Brendan. It's about it's a little bit about everyone. Because I mean, even that line. I mean, the angel once again comes in. Just when I was stalling, I heard an angel calling. But um, then
3: I can also see it. As... But is angel
2: is or is the angel his brother?
3: Or is the angel Connor? Cause I can also yeah. see the song from Rafina's point of view too. Pres- yeah. And mm-hmm. she's talking about, you know, she's obviously dealt with a lot of people have ab- abusing her in her life. You know, the, she sees Connor as an angel who's doing all these things for her, inspiring her, you know, letting her know that she's worth something to somebody. Yeah. So I, I can also see this as, as her anthem too.
2: Yeah. And that's one of the things that's so great about a good song Yeah, is it can be seen in so many different ways. And they could all be valid
3: Yep. It's also kind of sad yeah. when he says that to her Says that that line is about her And he's like well look at the way you've, you've turned your life around And she totally shrugs that off Because she doesn't believe it about herself No she yeah. doesn't
2: And to be fair I'm not sure she's completely done it yet No I don't think she has she still has um, some things to confront. She does, and and
3: when they're describing the video, oh, <laughs> and the way it plays out exactly the way they, they describe it, you know, when he fantasizes yeah, about in, it
2: in his imagination. Yeah, you. I love. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, I don't want to jump ahead because we get to this. Well, there's also an important ap- there's also an important
3: point here too. Sorry, I keep yeah. interrupting. I
2: don't mean to do that, mm, okay.
3: <laughs> but just that um, something that's becomes very important at the end. They um they talk about well it was, at, it was at the very beginning of the movie too where they talk about how all the people from because there's a, this recession going on that people in Ireland are going to to London for opportunities. Right. This is when um he points out the ferry.
2: The ferry, that's right. Mm-hmm. Which... I think is a uh, very important at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's almost like a reference to Casablanca where they see the plane uh, heading to Lisbon and they're all looking <laughs> up in the air longingly, you know, <laughs> yep. it's a, it's a little yep. bit like, um, you know, all of these Irelanders are, you know, uh, trapped on this island mm-hmm. and there's freedom out there and they just don't know how to get there. Yep. Now this is, we get home and the parents announce that they are in fact getting a divorce and Brendan's like, okay. <laughs> it's about
1: time.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like what else is new. He's pissed though. Yeah. You know, he he won't express it to him, but he is.
3: What well, kind of when
2: Well, he takes it out on Connor is what he does.
3: And and the mom a little bit. Yeah. Well, because they say that, you know, they're going to sell the house and that she's going to move in with Tom, the guy that she's been having an affair with. And Brendan's like, "Uh, no, I will not be living with Tom. Right. (laughs) Yeah. The scene with him and Connor. Like, this is probably the one you really wanted to talk about.
2: Probably. I mean, uh, Drive It Like You Stole It is probably my favorite (laughs) scene in the movie. (laughs) But but as far as dramatic scenes go, I think this is this is the one he says. And now I'm paraphrasing mostly here. Where he says, you know, you get to follow the path that I macheted for you. You know, I had dreams once. People laugh at me and they praise you, which is fine. But once I was a fucking jet engine, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he just smashing the records and stuff. He's happy for Connor, but he's jealous. Yeah. You know, he's like you were living the life that I wish I could have had.
3: Mm hmm. It starts off kind of funny because oh. he's like, I haven't smoked hash in two days. Connor asks why. And he says, because I want to do something with my life. Yeah. And he's talking about like having he's, grown he's up. He's inspired by his own little yeah, brother. Yeah, exactly. And he's talking about growing up with his parents where he thinks that they didn't even really love each other when they got yeah. married and that he had to deal with them all alone for six years until Connor came along. He said, thank God. Yeah. And you can just kind of. Yeah. He's definitely letting out some stuff that he's been <laughs> wanting to say. Yeah.
2: Because obviously this fight between his parents has been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I think, in a lot of ways, the key scene of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that movie, uh, I'm sorry, that scene ends again as a fight. You know, it ends with them not saying oh I'm sorry I Mm reconcile. you know there's no reconciliation here and I think that's important because it mirrors the scene with Rafina later
3: yeah I didn't think about that until just now but yeah because Connor because Connor just walks away and is like okay I'll be right back I have to go to the bathroom and he doesn't come back you know obviously but he just Mm -hmm. walks away from it because he can't handle the emotion I would say yeah
2: he can't I mean he's he's hurt by this idea too that Mm -hmm. because he I mean he he loves his brother yeah he wants his brother to be successful
3: maybe he's mad at himself that he didn't see it yeah didn't see what his brother was going through because he said something later on he was like i didn't know you like played guitar and did all that i'm sorry i didn't know that
2: mm-hmm.
3: and he's like that's something i should have known as your little brother
2: yeah okay then and
3: then all i have next in my notes is just drive it like you stole it like really stole big
2: it. <laughs> yeah now this scene is the one scene that is like pure full-blown musical number yeah and it's the video as imagined by connor that's one of the things that's so great about it. First of all, the song is a banger. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I listen to this roughly 20 times a week. Like, every time yeah. I'm in my car, I'm playing Drive It Like You Stole It for, like, the last, yeah. ever since I saw this movie.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's one that, you know, my kids have fallen in love with this song, mm-hmm. too, uh, before they even saw the movie. They wanted to see the movie because of this song, because yeah. I kept playing this song and it's just magical. It I mean, is. we see the fullness of Connor's vision, you know, we see, you know, both his of their both riding. of their visions yeah. together.
3: His and Rafina's.
2: Yeah, right. And he sees, you know, Rafina walk into the room with her, you know, 50s uh, dress and everything that they talked about on but, you know, it, you know, he sees his brother kind of pull up sort of like a James Dean on a motorcycle, you know, and beat up, uh, <laughs> Rafina's boyfriend. Yep. Um, and you know, brother Baxter comes in and does this <laughs> whole like backflip thing and he gives him a sort of a, a he blesses him with the cross uh-huh. as they leaves and, and it's, and you know, his parents are together yes. dancing Everyone is happy. Everything is joyous. This is everything that he hopes for, for life happening in this moment. But then it pulls out of it and you can see it's all in his mind. Rafina did not show up to the shoot for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, And he was watching the door the whole time.
3: And the coloring is different in that. The coloring is different. I mean, it's to uh, everyone is in their costumes
2: they're wearing matching suits and they're wearing
3: matching suits like in back like to the they're future the wonders <laughs> yeah. the wonders yeah and Have
2: I ever told told you you guys look great in red? <laughs> um,
3: their anyway. performance is so good. They're like at the peak of their talent with that song. Mm-hmm. They're so good. It's so good. Uh, the first time I watched this, I went back and I played this scene roughly eight times.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> it's just it's perfection. It, it really is. uh So anyway, it's it's such a it's an exuberant and powerful and well done scene. And it when you see the reality, it's just. Sort of like oh man mm-hmm. it's 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 a gut punch yeah it really is because it is not at all what he sees in his head and rafina's not there and rafina's not there
3: yeah which there was a um a shot earlier that i really like too after they've they've talked about the video and and she asked like when are we, you know so when are going to be shooting this and he he says when and she just goes oh and there's like a long shot yeah. that holds on her face where you can see oh god
2: she's not going to be there she's yeah.
3: the, she knows she's not going to be there and she knows it's going to break his heart but she can't tell him and uh yeah, That's when he goes to, uh, uh, yeah, he, he goes, goes to where when, she lives.
2: Yeah, and she comes back and pretends to say to be not herself, pretends to be um, <laughs> her <laughs> sister, right? Her twin sister. <laughs> like, I, I know it's you. That scene is tough. Yeah. Uh, he's heartbroken. She has a bruise on her face uh, from her boyfriend. She kind of tells him what happened, that London didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: He didn't really know anybody there. Yeah. She has a line too where it's like he he just said that to get a ride, which yeah. means that he was just telling her lies to get into
2: her pants. <laughs> yep. Which that sucks for her
3: a lot. But I, I totally get the way that both of them are acting in this scene, even though it's I very do, hard mean, to watch.
2: It is because neither of them really react very well. No, You know, I mean, she doesn't own up to the fact that she hurt him and he is hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he he in turn I think wants to I think it's unconscious, but I think he wants to hurt her back yeah. in some way. So that's why he walks away. Mm-hmm. It's a unfortunate but sort of natural reaction, I think. Yeah. And it's just
3: uh so I, I I told you like I don't really like Connor in this scene. I get where he's coming from, but I still don't like him just because I'm so I'm, I'm very I feel very protective of Rufina because I totally get where sure. she's coming from uh, in this. Like that yeah. he's he's put her. She's acting weird because Connor has put her on this pedestal.
2: Yeah, that's that true. she
3: feels that she can't really live up to that she doesn't believe that in herself and she's just what she tried to do her dreams you know of going to london and being a model obviously didn't work out she's feeling like a complete failure in this moment yeah. with this kid who inspired her she's trying to be who he sees her as and she she's failed and she can't do it or she thinks she, in this moment that she's not going to yeah. be able to do it that's how she's feeling and so yes yeah. yeah, she kind of like maybe she's a little resentful of of him for you know giving her these big dreams in and in a way you know it's
2: it's funny you know i guess i guess i feel i get where both of them are coming from yes. in this scene and so maybe i'm not as mad at either of them in this scene as you are <laughs> no, i'm not mad um,
3: you just kind of well, like you know what it, i mean connor. though you know
2: you know what i mean you're you kind of you wrote me and said i don't like connor in this part. <laughs> and i was kind of like i get it
3: though. i get it
2: but i can still you know. not like him <laughs> I know. I don't think he reacts well. No. I don't think he reacts well, but I also think it's real. Because mm-hmm. I thought a lot about this scene after you wrote me that text, and because you said he doesn't really make up for it, which and I
3: realized that, was wrong. Yes.
2: <laughs> that is where I disagreed, because I was like, yeah, but it didn't really even dawn on me. And you, we've talked, we talked about this off mic, and and you, you actually agree with. We yeah. agree on this as far as they I They just tell.
3: don't make up for it in the in a verbal way. <laughs> no, no, they, they, they both, make up for they both make up for mm-hmm. it in in a mutually understood way.
2: Yeah. In an action speak louder than words yes. kind of way. Yeah. And I think that is actually makes it better. I think if there had been this big apology scene, I yes. think it would have Yeah. I think it would have rung hollow. Whereas instead and we don't even know what he does for a long time. Because it just moves on. It moves on to their gig, right? Well, actually, before no, that, he goes. He goes to Eamon and says, "Will you help me write a song?" And he says, "Always." Always.
3: God, that's oh, <laughs> love it. I love that part. I love, I love that, that part. part. Oh, is this when they're outside. <laughs> they're on the bench. Yeah, this is a good scene too. Yeah.
2: And they stole his bike, and, <laughs> and they run after him. I love that part. But th- they're talking. They're, they're just their discussion is is wonderful.
3: Yeah, because Eamon, yeah. is. He's really got. I don't know. He's he's a a character kind of like Lenny Lin- where he, he kind of gets it and he kind he of drop, he drops in these wise little things like when he says to when he said before you know like I don't know I don't think that that makes any sense what you just said about the about the song he does it again here when Connor is telling him about you know her going to London or whatever and Eamon just says like well why don't you take her to London <laughs> Like a very obvious right. thing that he hadn't even thought of before. It's like, why don't you guys
2: obviously do it together? Like
3: you're because you're meant to be together.
2: I think Connor doesn't quite feel that confident in himself. Yeah. And I don't think he would feel confident with himself in going to London without her. Yeah. I don't if if she ha- can't get ahead of myself. Sorry. OK. OK. So they set up. Um, they have the moment with Brendan on the stoop, right? Where mm-hmm. he's sitting on the steps outside and it's just sort of a simple moment. It's just sort of the, they don't really address that they had this argument at all, which is very guy thing. Oh, yeah. And it's just. Very the, sibling hey. thing, too. And a sibling thing. is yeah. It's just, hey, it's basically a, hey, we're cool, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they never say it. It's like, hey, do you want to come and check out our band? We've got a gig. It's like, yeah. Um, and then, you know, they go and make Barry their roadie.
3: This is probably my favorite element.
2: Of this, one of my uh-huh. favorite
3: elements of this movie is the way that they recruit Barry. It's, yeah. so, it's so smart, too. And it's so oh, well yeah. played out because this is the way you, you beat a bully. Is
2: mm-hmm. You give them a purpose. You give them a job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it, you know what's funny? Seriously. This is like, that's so teacher, smart. <laughs> it's a school teacher trick. You've got a kid that is disruptive and you have a hard time, you know, getting to. <laughs> sorry. I don't know how to how I'm, I'm not putting this well. And you're just having a difficult time with behavior or whatever. Uh-huh. You give them something to do. You give them a job to do that is helpful. And it gives them purpose and it gives them, you know, something to look forward to. Gives them another place to and put
3: their energy, their anger that exactly. they're feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Th- this is in this moment too, you can... You can see that Barry really isn't that bad either. The way he's talking to them, like nah. he's just a bully because he cause he feels, yes, he's projecting like what he's experiencing at home. But it's also like he feels like that's probably his role in the school is to be the bully. So he's just trying to live up to that in a way. But, you know, he's he's talking to them as if they were friends, too. He's like when his father or somebody yells like, you're a worthless piece of shite. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you hear that? I'm a worthless piece of shite. Like, why do you want me? Yeah. Yeah, that's seriously one of my favorite elements of this movie is the way that they handle Barry's character and that he's not a bully that needs to be taken down. He's a bully that needs to uh, be the end to the cycle of violence.
2: Yes, exactly. That's really uh, he's like like we said, you know, the stuck in cycles Mm -hmm. thing. And uh, he's the first one that is sort of brought out of it. Yeah. This school dance performance is great because i feel like this is the first time we truly hear them sound how they really sound okay this is just a thought in my head because i i've always thought that maybe on some of the earlier songs this is kind of like how they think they sound because they're rehearsing together hey we got it you know we're getting it together here it's like they're a little bit rough but they sound good you know they, they and they have a unique sound but it's more it's not quite as polished as we've heard them on other songs throughout the movie, right? This is the um, so, all the
3: complicated boys and girls yeah, song, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Do girls where they do complicated boys and and his voice kind of cracks, you know, when yeah. he j- jumps up to the falsetto. And then they're still good, uh, but yeah. They they are good. They are really good. I mean, especially for a young group that's only been together for a couple of months, right? Mm-hmm. Playing a gig at their school dance. I mean, they sound really good. But at the same time, I really do get the sense that you know they don't sound as refined as they do in other parts of the movie because I think that those are kind of how they're envisioning how they sound
3: yeah especially in the drive yeah. it like you stole it scene there's a oh, yeah, there's absolutely. a certain part where you can hear the, the music get a little bit more mm-hmm. studio sounding you know exactly you can you mm-hmm. can hear the switch in that song
2: well and that's the thing about that video yeah that sequence is it's all in It's his, mind.
3: yeah it's his fantasy yeah about yeah. how they Actually, sound
2: yeah. So here, you know, you have girls, which is a cool song. Uh, they completely taking that line from his teacher. Yep. Uh, then to find you, this oh my scene God. is beautiful. He plays, ugh. says, "Okay, we're gonna slow it down." He says, "I'm not Ingie saying I'm not playing a slow song at a gig." <laughs> this song, this scene is ugh. this scene is so wonderfully done because it shows him playing. It shows okay, Eamon's playing the song on the piano, Connor's singing it. And he's singing it beautifully. It's Mm -hmm. so passionate. But then it cuts to Rafina listening to the demo Mm. because Connor delivered the demo to the house, to someone else, to one of the other girls that lived there. And she takes it to the park where they had their fight. And she sits on the park bench and she's listening to it. And that is the action speaks louder than words moment from his side. Yeah. Right. Because that just that line, I was on my way to find you. Oh, my God. And you weren't there, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, is, is the is or, powerful. But
3: guy, I don't know what the exact line is, like something yeah. about like from the moment I was born, I was on my way to find you or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like it's and, so f- disgustingly sweet but I absolutely adore it like this is like the after you know obviously drive it like you stole it is the song that everyone loves from this movie but like the second third time around I was like I kind of think this is my favorite song it's just it's got so much passion and especially in the way yeah. he's singing it and then the lyrics and then just to watch Rafina listening to it that really makes it all hit home because what I like about that too is like when she comes back from London also you can see it in her characters that she doesn't look like herself she's no she's been beaten down by what's happened you know she's not wearing makeup and her hair's flat and be- just back in a ponytail you know during this Scene. and she's not as you know 80s made up like she usually is like with her all of her millions of you know jangly right. bracelets that she wears and uh the cool outfits and makeup and hair all teased up you know she's mm-hmm. this is her her low point and then she comes like when, when she comes back when she shows up at the dance like that's when she she looks like Rafina again yeah but her listening to this song is
2: yeah very sad. It's a beautiful It's beautiful, and it's like you can almost hear her say, okay, I, I get it. You're apologizing and I am saying I forgive you, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Um, when she shows up, you know, yep. is when she says I forgive you, I think. Um, but my favorite songs for the record are in Drive It Like You Stole It, of course, but also uh, To Find You and Up yeah. are probably my three favorites, you know. So, but this other song, Brown Shoes, <laughs> this last one, the other boots on the other I foot now is a great tune, too. Yep. And, um, you know, Brother Baxter masks because they know they keep on trying to turn the lights on and, you know, they smash the lights. It's, it's so good. I mean, it was great. Um, and then Rafina shows up dressed. Well, and then you know, that kid,
3: li- he punches the, Brother Baxter straight up punches that kid in the face. Right, the one that, right, that smashes yeah. the light and like pushes him out. So it's like, yeah, we got to take down this guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which I love the way they, they do it too. Yeah, they do. It's, it's just like, do you, you know, it's sort of like, um, the scene at Almost Famous, you guys want to buy a fence? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> we're just going to, we're just going to go for it. We're yeah. just going to, uh, this is like, this is our last gig. You ready? <laughs> um, because that's what they do. And, um, but when Rafina shows up, she's dressed in, you know, the leather jacket, she's got the scarf around her neck, kind of looking like she was maybe dressed for the drive it. Like you stole it video shoot. And I think that is she, cause she reminds me a little bit of like Sandy at the end of uh, Greece. <laughs> um, so I, I just love the, the that whole scene.
3: Yeah, I like that how that plays out too where the song is still kind of playing as they start like running away together, basically. Yeah, they at the run,
2: end. <laughs> run away together, they go and they sneak in, say hi to Brendan and gosh, it's like, All right, do you know anybody in England? No. Nope. No. Do you have any sterling? No. No. She has her photos, I have my demo tapes and videos. Let's go. <laughs> He sounds like
3: he's going to try to talk him out of it. Nope. No, let's go. Let's go. Good moment with him and the mom as he's getting the keys yeah. and she's asleep. Yeah.
2: Now, now the one thing that I wrote here that is sort of a fly in the ointment maybe was, I feel like he needs Eamon to help him write the songs. <laughs> I
3: think their best songs True. are the
2: two of them together. He needs his collaborator. So, yeah. Yeah. Just heading off to London. Without Eamon being involved in it, just seems kind of like, dude, this guy helps you write your best music, you know. Well, didn't Um, Eamon
3: kind of say something before too? Like, go to London and you know get us get us noticed, and then come back and get the rest of us out of here. I think yeah, basically what he tells him.
2: I think so. Yeah.
3: And then this goodbye scene, yeah, with uh, with Brendan. Oh gosh. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know, or they just kind of steal the car and they I mean, literally driving it like they stole it. Right. <laughs> and they head out to that boat, that little tiny boat. Jim. And they just
3: <laughs> like the boat's called Jim, yeah, the boat
2: <laughs> um, driving, you know, riding out into that horrible weather. It's like you might want to sit down, you know, and the the weather starts getting bad oh, and God, splashing but, up. Oh, and they, God.
3: But them, them saying goodbye they're doing uh, they're doing like the guy bro thing they are where they're yeah. not <laughs> really saying how they're feeling <laughs> but you can see it on their faces oh yeah uh, when they uh when they hug he's like you'll probably die but go on <laughs> like that well essentially that's that i think own.
2: brendan's saying live the life that i yeah. wanted to live totally but as you know as so they head out into the water you know are they getting it's just like it, there's this whole is this a really bad idea yeah <laughs> you know where the weather starts getting bad they almost run into the side of the ferry and then they follow the ferry. I think that is and you know just the song that's playing yeah. is like, you know, you're never going to go if you don't go now. You're never going to know if you don't find out. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, let's kick off the dust of this town and head out on our own. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of this place. We baby you and I were born to run. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it all I was got to back, br- back to the boss. got to bring come back to the boss. Okay.
3: Even though like the rain is kind of a bad element when you're on a little yeah. dingy boat, like rain also represents rebirth and yeah. there's, and there's a baptismal there, feeling yeah, to there's it. Definitely that feeling to it. And I love yeah. like it's I think it's very poignant the way that they ride in the wake of the yes. other people that are going off to London to live their dreams, too.
2: Yes. As much as I want more, as much as I want to know what happens, I this is the perfect ending. Yeah. Right.
3: You want to see? You want to make sure that they they succeeded at the end. But it's like, do they make it? <laughs> yeah. Do they make
2: it? But here, you know, we can always imagine that they do. If we don't know, we can always imagine that they do.
3: I I, don't, um, I cannot believe anything else for the two of them. They have to make it. No.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then Brendan's little Brendan's little like yes. Like, yes, like literally yes. jumping for joy for them as he sees them, kind of like clear, you know, uh, around the rocks.
2: And that l- closing title card, you know, for brothers everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, the ones who blaze the trail ahead, you know, is it's just kind of a lovely sentiment to close the movie on. And so there it is, you know, I my favorite movie that I've seen in a long time.
3: This movie is so good. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> I I loved it when I first saw it. And the, but then I didn't see it again until preparing for this when I, I got the Blu-ray yeah. and I watched it again. And I was like, why? How is this even better than I remember it? Because I I already remembered it as being as like one of the best movies I've ever seen, and it's. Even better when you can see all those little little moments on there, you can see the way yeah. that the, the influences, the, the, the lines that you can hear from the the characters that show up in the songs later on and the little yeah. moments with everybody. And it's just ah, it's such a perfect movie. Ah.
2: And, you know, it's one of those movies that I'm so glad that I, I happen to be listening to screen drafts is how I found out about this movie. I hadn't mm-hmm. even heard of it. And then I was like, I got to see this because uh, this sounds really good. It ranked really high on their you know, fictional bands or fictional musicians draft. And so I was like, okay, yeah. I got to see this. And then I think I said... After I watched it, I said, you got to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so.
3: And when I, I remember, um, I, I got it from the library and I always post a picture of the movies that I rent from the library. I had like a stack of six or eight movies. All of the comments were about Sing Street. Yeah. Everybody was like, Sing Street is the best movie there. You, you were going to love it. It's just that kind of movie that. It's yeah. got so much heart. And uh, God, the music is obviously great, but just the feeling that it leaves you with is kind of what sticks with you, I think. It's a hope, very hopeful movie. And, you end.
2: know, we've watched this twice now for a family movie night. Mm-hmm. We've, we've never repeated a movie before. Yeah. <laughs> especially so close together, because we watched it for the first time only a few months ago. Uh, and my kids loved it. My wife loved it. My youngest son, who's super cool, requested that we watch it again. Uh, Because we didn't have anything planned. And he said, I really want to watch Sing Street again. And so we did. And as we were sitting down to it, he was like, I love this movie so much. And my daughter loves it. And my oldest was kind of like, I've seen it once. But that's (laughs) that's Caleb. That's just just the way he is. (laughs) My Vulcan son. Such a special movie. It really is. It really is. Okay. So um, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, We have a couple of recommendations, right?
3: Yeah, I do. I do.
2: I do. (laughs) Uh, And the thing is, mine is actually, you know, sort of something that ties into the bonus or the discoveries episode we did last week or last time. And that is the follow up to, I said several times that I hadn't seen West Side Story yet. I was seeing it that day we recorded. uh, And I, in fact, did see West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg version. and. I got to say, it's one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. I I, I think I still stand by my choice of Tick-Tick Boom for musical. But as far as big, lavish musicals go, uh, it's hard to beat this movie. And I was skeptical because I thought, oh, I mean, what really are they going to do? I mean, (laughs) besides, you know, correctly cast the the ethnic parts, (laughs) which they did, thank goodness. But it was just a wonderful experience of a movie. I actually think I prefer it to the 1961 version. So that's saying something, you know, and Spielberg clearly loved this material and wanted to make something special with it. And I think he really did. The way the script is handled makes some interesting updates that I thought really just made the movie sing at a new level definitely recommend West Side Story.
3: I don't even think no, I don't I haven't seen the original so I got both of them to catch up on yeah I've heard a lot of good things about
2: the West Side Story so
3: I am excited to check it out sometime
2: yeah I've seen the old movie and I've seen it on stage a couple of times and actually my favorite time that I've ever seen West Side Story is this version oh
3: that's high praise indeed Mm -hmm. well mine also kind of ties into the last episode of our favorite discoveries of the year because I was afraid this was going to happen like after we recorded that (laughs) that I watched a movie that totally would have been on the list and yeah it happened because i watched um from 2020 i believe it was from last year um, the kid detective
2: heard a lot of good things about it.
3: Yeah, this is when I first heard from uh, Brian Sauer, who spoke really mm-hmm. highly. I think it's one of his favorite discoveries of that of that year. and completely agree. It's um the tone of this movie is what really kind of sells it because from like what it's about, it's it's very, very different than you'd expect because Adam Brody is the uh, I main He's the kid detective in the movie. Like he was once like, um, like a Hardy boy or a Nancy Drew type of kid. Like um, he was like a 12 year old kid solving mysteries around town about like, you know, who stole the money from the fundraiser or whatever. And he had a little office, you know, set up all the town came together and like paid for him to have his own little office where people could come to him to solve their little mysteries. And he was very beloved in the town, you know, but now he's kind of a 30 something washed up guy who's, who's still doing that, but is not as respected in the town he's kind of he's very melancholy sad character all the way through cuz when he was a kid there was like one thing that he couldn't solve and it was the disappearance of this uh, girl and you kind of think that maybe that something like that has has stayed with him and now the character that he is now he's approached by this young girl who is um, asking him to solve the murder of her boyfriend hmm. and when he gets into this into it gets it, this movie will sneak up on you it gets a little bit dark and like you will not expect it and the ending the final shot especially I think is so perfect but like the tone of it is still very like darkly comedic that it's it's very entertaining to watch it all the way through like the, the character oh. is very funny like there are um, I I think there's also like kind of little jokes about like detective type stories like throughout, like one of my favorite little sequences is when there's, he's got to go interview somebody, you know, get information out of them. So they do the whole like, there's cool music and there's like thing of him following as he's walking down the hallway and he approaches the guy and it's like, I need to ask you a question about this guy. And the guy just says, no. <laughs> and he just walks out. <laughs> it's like, you think it's going to be that, um, that scene where like, they like tell me all about this character. And it's like, oh, all right, how's it go? Here's how it goes, and he just says no, and then he leaves, and he tells the girl he's like, uh, he wasn't there. I couldn't ask him questions. You know, it just kind of it plays up on that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, like I said, it, it, you don't expect it to go as dark as it does, but um, it okay. still kind of works. Very funny, very good, amazing performance it's, from him.
2: Yeah. It's set up almost sounds like a movie that I watched also on Brian Sauer's recommendation mystery team. Um, but it sounds like this is much more serious than that movie. Yeah. is very much a comedy. Yeah, I'll definitely have to move that one up the list. So. Yeah,
3: definitely. All right. Okay. What's All going right, on next, next time? time. Oh, this next is, time is a special. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So this is going to be a special episode where... Um, It's going to be our very first episode with a guest. Uh, We have invited on our friend uh, J.D. Gravatt to uh, speak with us about one of his forever favorites. And I think this is his number one favorite movie, as I understand. And it's Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, So we're excited to uh, hear from J.D. and hear what he has to say about this movie. And boy, it should be a great conversation. I'm really excited for The possibilities of this. So this will be the first in a series of episodes where we invite uh, friends on to talk about uh, some of their favorite movies with us.
3: Got to admit, I'm a little nervous about this one because I've seen Pan's Labyrinth once many, many years ago. And I just remember not getting it or it going over Mm -hmm. my head. And so I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have anything to bring to this or if I'm going to be (laughs) as smart to get this movie. But J.D. told me, like, don't try and figure it out, really. Just kind of watch it.
2: I think that's fair. I think that's a probably a good assessment. Yeah. So it's actually a companion piece to my personal favorite Guillermo del Toro movie, which is The Devil's Backbone. So I excited to to re-watch this so yeah
3: and it'll be fun to have a guest jd has been probably our biggest supporter and fan ever since we started so yeah. very he's happy he's our to, number one fan he's our number not one not in fan. a weird
2: kathy bates way <laughs>
3: <laughs> excited to give him an opportunity to talk about his favorite movie which uh, that's what i'm kind of excited about doing with uh, this whole bringing our friends on like giving people a, a chance that don't usually get the chance you know to talk about their favorite movies
2: yeah whether it's because you know their show focused Focuses on a genre or yeah or maybe they don't have a podcast and or a platform and this is an opportunity for them to just share and talk so we're looking forward to we have lots of people in mind and so we're going to be reaching out and booking some cool guests
3: hell yeah all right Let's wrap it up. Where can you find us online?
2: Okay, you can find me on Twitter at Brian D. Kuiper.
3: And I am at Michelle N. Agan.
2: And the show is at Movie Life Pod. Uh, We're going to have some giveaways coming up here, including Sing Street, I believe. So uh, I'm excited to uh, share the love of this movie as best we can.
3: So. You asked this question beforehand, like, what's the song that you think you're going to have in your head now between that thing you do and Sing Street?
2: I currently have Drive It Like You Stole It stuck in my
3: head. (laughs) Kind of. Me too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, if you like the show and you like what you hear, leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify now, which has ratings and reviews. That would be super cool of you. It's a
2: great help to us. Okay. Thank you very much. And we will do what? We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.